Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg. With me again today is John. Hey John. Yo. <laughs> you can't wave your hands on camera when we're doing in the intro because no one sees it. Ah, well, you see it. That's all that matters. <laughs> that is true. I do see it. And and I and I am the only one that matters. Everything in this podcast is about me. So yeah, uh, enjoy my jazz hands. So, uh, oh, I do. Um, hey, how are you, man? What's going on? What's what's been happening Good. in what in the last week of uh, in this last week of quarantine? Obviously, you're still working. Uh, you're still out there as an essential. I'm actually essential not type. right now. Oh, oh, do tell. Uh, so. I was going to go to, uh, so both you and I are one year older as of this last week. Correct. Uh, Correct. We both had birthdays birthday in the last week. Last week on the ninth, right? Yep. Yep. Last Thursday then, was my birthday. Yep. Yep. And then my birthday was, uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I was going to take this week off and I was going to go with my daughter and Nicole and we were going to go to uh, shed aquarium down in, in Chicago. And go see the bean and do other Chicago-y things like eat hot dogs and like really thick pizza. Mm. I and, do, I do uh, love the bean, man. Yeah. Yep, flicking the bean. Um, and instead, uh, we get to stay at home. Uh, so I had I wasn't going to cancel my week off. It's like, ah, it's still my birthday week. I might as well just sit at home and enjoy it and play some games. That's right. So that's right. That's what I'm doing. So it's not it's not that you're not working anymore. It's just that you had this vacation planned for your birthday and right. Nah, I got you. I got you. I remember you mentioning that to me before. Well, that sucks that birthday plans got canceled. It it is a it's it's a, an unbelievably lame birthday for April birthdays this year. I mean, there's like we couldn't do anything. Um, Jenny did a ton for me though. Like she she made this really awesome dinner. She makes this baked ziti pasta, uh, and then she made me a cake and it was like, it was really good. Like it's as good as it could have been. Like she, she put in so much effort. It was awesome. Um, so my birthday was as good as it could be, you know, but I, I'm kind of like a, I like to get a bunch of people together on my birthday. Usually, as you know, um, my parties of old, uh, like, uh, <laughs> I, I don't have those parties anymore, but I used to throw really big parties at my house for my birthday. And it was, uh, it was always a thing, but, uh, you know, so yeah, it's it's a different time. It's weird, you know, but it comes and goes. And I'm I'm always really, I don't know how to say it, but like I'm always very like, uh, like lackadaisical about my birthday. Like I want to do something, but I'm also I always get really like weirdly philosophical around my birthday. Like I'm just like, oh, it's no big deal, and it's you, know, you start to get like I don't I don't know how, what what the word I'm looking for. It's not anything I've said yet, but I get very I, I don't want to say emotional because that's not what it is, but I just get very kind of like somber i guess kind of like huh it's my birthday you know it's really weird so i i get that way as well and like especially the last couple years because um my dad was killed when i he was 35 and so now like when i when i have a birthday i'm like i am two years older than my dad ever was or will be i never thought of that i never thought of that about that last night yeah it's weird i have I have uh, told Jenny to fully expect some sort of mental breakdown when I turn 40 next year. So I'm 39, <laughs> right? So you're 37. Yep. And I'm 39, and I'm going to turn 40 next year, which, you know, when you're young, 40 is, like, old as hell. Forever. You know, like, 40 just feels like once you're 40, you're officially, like, an old old person. And... I don't feel that way. You know, I don't feel that way. I don't feel any different now than I feel like when I open my store. 
I mean, it's a lot easier to walk around because I'm not carrying around an extra 150 pounds. But like, other than that, it feels the same to walk around. Like, I don't, I don't feel any different, <clears throat> you know. But the funny thing about getting older is like when you're 20 and people are 40, they're like, they'll be like, ah, you're you're only 20. You like, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. And now that I'm almost 40, I'll have people that are 60 that'll be like, ah, you don't know what you're talking about, young people. And it's just like, I am almost 40. Yeah. Like, yeah. At what point in my life do I get to the point where, like, I start getting respect? Not 40. From older people, never. Yeah. So just that that's your answer right there. From older people, never. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I totally – it is weird. And it makes me think back. So my dad is – 30 years older than me and so which is nice because it helps me remember how old he is (laughs) um and uh he like i was thinking about that you know so like when i'm 45 i don't feel like i'll be any different either you know like i feel like it's gonna be exactly the same as i am now and so when my dad was 45 i was 15 and when i was 15 like i thought my parents were like old and crappy (laughs) like I i thought they didn't get anything and they didn't do anything um but like I'm gonna be at that age, and I'll be doing lots of fun stuff. It's just weird, I guess, how you how you look at your parents and stuff, and and how you like then, and and then now when you're the age that they were when you remember them at that age, and you're like, I don't remember them doing what I did, which was like hanging out and doing fun stuff, you know. But I guess they weren't; they were taking care of me and like my family, and my uh, my brothers and sisters. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, it was a lot different back then, I guess. And 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 I think there is something to uh, there is something to the like mental maturity of people as we get into the future it seems like the mental maturity of people takes a lot longer to get there like you know my dad when my dad was 18 like he went into the army or whatever and then came came back he was uh, honorably discharged because of problems with his knees and he came back and he went to work at like a potato plant a potato farm or something like that and you know did that and then met my mom and my mom i think was 18 when she got pregnant with my sister. And so like they they were starting a family at 18, you know? Now yeah. you've got now you've got people arguing that like their 22-year-old daughter is just a kid. She doesn't know what she's doing. She can't be trusted, you know? And I just think yep. well, she's 22, like in the old west if you were 10, you could go out and like go grizzly bear hunting or something and <laughs> and, and save your family. Uh you I know. People are just starting families older. Like I, me, me and Nicole didn't have Lyra until we were, Nicole was 30 and I was 33. So, and it was, it was more of like, all right, we want to make sure we have all of our crap together. We want to make sure we have good jobs. We have a house. We have like, we could afford things before just being like, let's take on a giant financial responsibility. Interesting. Being responsible. Wow. What, yes. a, what, <laughs> what a, what a great, what a great idea. <laughs> that's a weird thing to hear coming out of my mouth isn't it <laughs> uh you changed a lot in the years i've known you john let's just put it at that uh but no it, it is you're you're right though i think that's really i think that's really fair it was just that people are taking a little more time to to do that but does that mean but that, but that doesn't i guess that doesn't really so does that mean people aren't maturing as quickly because they're waiting is that what you kind of think it is like people are holding on to their youth longer because like i'm not um... even talking about being fun and like enjoying things i'm talking these people act like they're children at 22 or 23 years old like i'm just a dumb kid i'm like at 23 i was running my own like 
GameStop store and you know I don't know I was running my own GameStop and I was going to meetings and I was holding meetings for other people and I'm not saying I'm super mature or anything in fact quite the opposite Um, but I, I, I mean, I don't know. I was always responsible, I guess, responsible and professional. I use those two words to describe myself, not really mature, but those two. And, and I just feel like now, you know, people aren't, and maybe, maybe it's because they're staying at home longer. Like that might be a good reason, right? Because as you know, college costs are ridiculous and home prices are ridiculous. Like kids are staying at home until they're 22, 23. And when you stay at home, you don't really get that experience of living out on your own. So you don't have that, oh, I got to work. I can't pay rent. I can't pay bills sort of feeling like that the safety net's gone i guess you know i think for me i mean like i don't feel like i really matured and became an adult in mindset until i was like 25 okay like it was it was really slow going stoop on on uh, maturity and i was pretty dumb for a long time <laughs> so, um and and that was you know and that was you know, well, 12 years ago is when you feel like you hit it. So really it was 15 to 16 years ago is when you would say you weren't in it. So that wasn't, that was a, right. a good, good time ago, I suppose. So, huh. so yeah, I mean, for me, it was, uh, a lot of, um, I would say mentorship from, from people like you, my friend, oh, Kevin, no, uh, thank you, my friend, James, like when, like once I got into GameStop and like, I was kind of navigating like the politics of like different store managers and stuff. And I would have to like, like bounce like ideas on of, of like how to handle situations off people like you and my friend Kevin and stuff. Um, It really helped. And like my uh, James, the, the first manager I had, like he was the first person that like actually promoted me from like entry level position to a managerial position. And for for that it just took me being like what am i doing wrong why why is my yeah. life seem like it's it's not working out at 25 and like why am i not being considered for these types of positions and he was like oh that's like really uh, the fact that you wanted it is all i needed to know and so then he offered me that position so and from there it kind of just became a balancing act of mm-hmm. like all right how do i balance my stupid impulses <laughs> Of like, yeah, like the dumb things I might say, like, how do I, how do I curtail that? So I've gotten better at that as, as I've gotten older. And I've also like, I feel like I, I tried really hard to make sure that the people that I hired and like nurtured as employees didn't make the same mistakes Mm. as I did and, and matured faster than I did. I've, I've always respected that about you, uh, that you, you were someone who was, at the top of the mountain and you tumbled all the way down and you try to like not let other people tumble down, you know, like, like yep. you, you're saying, Hey, you know, I, I can, I can see a mile down the head of you that you're going to make the same mistake that I made because you're going the right way I was. And, and we're not talking anything crazy, you know, it's just making bad money decisions and stuff like that, you know, but you try to stop people from that. And I do respect that a lot, man. And, and you, you know, when you, when you have employees, obviously you and I both feel the same. I think they're like, they're not really just employees, you know, in fact, in, in not in a good way, you treat them probably like more like family and friends, yeah. you know, which in a corporate environment, it's tough because you're oftentimes not going to be able to control everything that has to do with them. As an owner, it's a lot easier for me to do that. In fact, that's how I maintain the relationship, I think, is because you have to make it personal. But in a corporate setting, 
it's just a lot different because all of a sudden one day corporate might say, well, you got to fire the bottom 10% of your staff. You know, and you're like, okay, well, we have seven people, so we have to fire one and a half people. Oh, um, <laughs> Yeah, but you have to fire somebody and it's like, you know, I remember when they used to do that, you used to say like, take your bottom performer and get rid of them. Like my store is a top, top 1% store. You want me to fire my worst employee? They're better than all the other employees at the two other stores in, you know, in, in this you, town. Did you end up listening to that? No, of course not. I mean, they, okay. that, that, cause that, that's actually a terrible, terrible strategy that a lot of business people, like a lot of middle management somehow learned that and thought that was smart. And it's absolutely not like the idea that you just do a blanket removal of, of someone based on like ranking like that. It's just, you know, it's not like it's ultimate fighter, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's it, like, it's... it's, it's weird. Yeah. I, I, I never, I never agree with that. I, I, I would like to think my guess would be, would be that that should have been something that I could totally see being done in the bottom 25% performing stores. Take, take yeah. the bottom 25%. So your worst 25% stores. And then, and then make them get rid of the bottom 25% of their staff, which would be like two people. <laughs> but that that makes sense to me because they have to fix something. But why would you apply those same rules to the store that's like consistently doing really well every year? Like, yeah, you should get rid of somebody. Yeah, you should fire somebody. Whatever. I don't know why. Just to change, shake things up a little bit. <laughs> but, you know what's but, funny but is like, uh, GameStop, uh, right before all this crap happened, started doing that where they were they were wanting people to can bottom performers. And then the whole COVID-19 like shutdown happened. And I kind of wonder how they're going to have employees once this comes back. Cause if you think about it, like even if like, let's say it was eradicated and three weeks from now they could come back fully and like run at full hours. I don't know that they'd have the employees to be able to staff the mm -hmm. stores for for a full week worth of payroll. Yeah, no, and, and a lot of people that that aren't working there now that used to be probably had to find work somewhere else. And yeah. I would say this as an ex-GameStopper, and I would assume you'd say the same thing because I've literally said this to everybody I've known who has since left. It's always like when you're there, you feel like there's nothing better out there. And I always felt like my managers, my the middle management, my, my management, like I'm talking district, regional, they always tried to make you feel like there was nothing else better out there. Like that's what I, that was always the impression I got was there's no better job out here than being a GameStop manager. Like that, that's always how I felt. So I thought that for a very long time and then you don't work there and it's so awesome not working yep. there. <laughs> it's so awesome not working there. And like quick trip poached tons of GameStop managers, like tons of them. So whoever came up, like I guarantee some people locally, like maybe not locally, but like regionally and like say, well, I'll just say, well, it's all Wisconsin for quick trip, but let's say like Northeast Wisconsin. I guarantee someone there had a meeting and said, go after GameStop managers. They hate their job. They're paid like nothing. <laughs> and you'll easily be able to steal them away by offering a ton more money and just a different and a change of pace. And I would assume quick trip is probably like a pretty tough job. Like as far as, you know, it's not super easy. You know, you're dealing with food and you're dealing, you know, it's, it's a convenience store. Yeah. And people, all the people I know that left GameStop to go work at quick trip, love it and they're just like they talk about how awesome it is like well the only thing that sucks is getting up at five in the morning you know like oh my god that sounds terrible i never want to get up five in the morning but <laughs> it's even that is still better than you know than, than it was being a GameStop manager so so once people have tasted the freedom 
yeah. <laughs> away from the company. I could totally see that. And, and, and maybe I'm wrong on that because there are a lot of people that just don't care. They just want to work in video games. They don't care. They just want, they want to be as close to their favorite thing in the world as they can be. And GameStop is the easiest way to do that. So it makes sense. That was me for a long time. Yeah. I, I you know, what's funny with me is I didn't, I don't even know. So when I applied at GameStop in, in, in 2000, in 2000, in uh, February of 2000, I I was I used to go to the arcade all the time because I was going to college in Wausau, and I would I would go to the mall, have lunch, and then play Tekken, and I would play Tekken against a couple of the guys, one of them being Brent. <laughs> so I would I would play there for a while, and then one day Brent was like, "Hey, you should just move to you should just move to Wausau and get a job here. We're looking for someone for whatever." And I was like, "Oh, really? I would totally work here." And I think at the time I was working at Hollywood Video, so okay. it was cool. And it was better than Rocky Rococo before that. So, you know, like every job was a subsequent upgrade. And so then that's basically how I got the interview. And I went in and talked to Janine and and uh, got hired. And, and then the rest is history. But, you know, it's I don't I don't want to say I did it because it was video games, but maybe I did, I guess, at that time. But eh, so did remember. you work at Hollywood when they had the Dreamcast early and that Sonic special edition? No, no, I worked. I didn't work at Hollywood very long. I think maybe okay. a year. So, because, well, so I graduated. You know, I, I honestly think I worked there just a few months. I probably only worked there, for, if I'm thinking right, from like October or September to to like February when I would have left for GameStop or something like that. It had to oh, be. Yeah. yeah, it was weird. Now that I think of it, it couldn't have been very long, but it was it was wild times back then. That place was so poorly run and like <laughs> people straight up just thieving stuff. It was like we had this contest for a while that was if you could get people to buy like these party bundles, which had like, you know, three rentals and popcorn and this and that, you'd get like a ticket. And after you got like five tickets, you got to have like a free used movie. And this is when they were still all VHS. And, and so I remember one night I was closing with another manager and he just loads up his hands with like tapes. He's got like 20 tapes in his hands and we're walking out and he was there longer than me. So I was like, we're closing up together. And he's just like, Oh, these are from my tickets. And he just like walks out with handfuls of like me. And so I'm like, okay, I don't know any better, man. I, sure. I don't care. But anyway, we're getting derailed here. Um, as, as we like to do. Um, but we have a couple stories we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the rumor that leaked recently or the rumor that came out about a possible leak about Capcom remaking Resident Evil 4. Now, they remade Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3, so you would think, yeah, let's remake 4. However, they missed one in there, Code Veronica, which actually desperately yep. needs a remake. Uh, but we'll talk a little about that. <laughs> and then we already have a follow-up to the cooking Mama Jerama John. <laughs> we got we got two follow-ups. We got a, we got two follow-ups already to last week's Cooking Mama Drama. I should make a button or something where I just like hit it and it just goes like, eh, eh, eh. It's like Cooking Mama, like drama alert. Eh, eh. <laughs> um, if you, and, and if you put drama in the title of anything, it gets an instant like 10,000 views on YouTube because that's all people want to watch apparently. Um, but uh, <laughs> anywho, before we get into the stories though, John, I want to ask you, what have you been playing this week? Obviously some notably huge stuff came out. The Final Fantasy VII Remake came out last Friday. I yep. got my copy Thursday, but what have you been playing? Uh, obviously, with Final Fantasy releasing, uh, I played uh, Mother Gunship on Xbox. Sure, as one does. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I've been playing a bunch of that. Um, I also played 
a lot of um, the the spawn content from Mortal Kombat 11, which is awesome. So when you say spawn content, it's just not just another character. There's like something else to go along with it. Well, it's uh, just I mainly have been playing as Spawn. Oh, I got you. Um, okay. Doing like the ladders and stuff. I played a little bit of uh, as Terminator, which is just weird. He fights very strangely, um, but Spawn feels perfect. And uh, his his intro was awesome. They got Keith David from the HBO Spawn show back oh, in nice. 1999 to do the voice. Um, the alternate costumes are fantastic choices. They have um, uh, for anybody that that collected the action figures back in the day. Uh, one of the costumes looks exactly like the original spawn action figure from the very first McFarlane toy line where it's very smooth. Um, the second one is commando spawn where he's got like two giant guns and nice. he's got like right. bandoliers and stuff. Um, one of them looks like uh, a little bit like medieval spawn. Um, and then one of them is straight out of the, um, or it kind of looks like a mix between the movie spawn and nether realms take on the character. Um, so those are really cool. You can like spawn has like this giant, ridiculous boot on his leg and you can, um, when spawn first came out, he didn't have that boot. Mm. The boot showed up in around issue 30. You can have spawn without the boot. So he looks like the classic first version of the character, or you can have him, with the boot uh, in the more Greg Capucolo um, redesign. Okay. So yeah, like, sure. As as somebody who liked Spawn a lot up until like issue seventy, it's it feels perfect and it really like brings back a lot of nostalgia. So like, it, it's a hell of a lot better done than Spawn in Soul Calibur. Um, because Spawn in Soul Calibur, I felt like should have been medieval Spawn and only medieval spawn because that would have made sense sure and they they stuck regular (laughs) spawn in the game and then they're like oh it's some sort of time traveling thing they were probably just happy to get him in the game yeah but mcfarlane i just like i feel like he's got a sign on the side of the highway that says would you like to put my character in your content (laughs) will spawn for food (laughs) yes Uh, yeah, the PS2 version of Soul Calibur 2 got hosed. My God, yeah, Hihachi. Hihachi. And I love Tekken. I love Tekken. And my God, Hihachi was just the biggest rip. So let me ask you, compare it to every other Spawn game ever made on a scale of the atrocious PS1 game to the <laughs> pl- the to the kind of fun playable Dreamcast game, where does the Spawn DLC rate for you? <laughs> uh, well... I will give the PS1 Spawn game a little bit of credit. The lenticular cover they had was pretty cool. Oh, I have it, um, dude. It's over there. I passed over you know it when I went to grab my game of the week this week. <laughs> you know what's funny about that lenticular cover is I don't believe Spawn ever did anything as gimmicky so, on its covers as that. And just slight cor- correction, it's not lenticular, it's chromium. So they didn't oh, do the okay, lenticular chromium. where it's like the... But you're right, because Chromium was really big in the 90s with uh, the X-Men comics. They did a, they yep, did a lot of the... Um, did that too. Yeah, they did, uh, they did like a lot of the um, Age of Apocalypse stuff. Like every one of those books, I think, had a Chromium cover. And they're super cool. Like, I think they're awesome. And somehow they're not worth anything. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Because <laughs> you look at it, and you're like, this is so cool. 
it should be worth a ton and it's not it's not worth anything crazy yep. but okay so you're playing yeah, uh, this uh, you're playing spawn dlc i would definitely say it's it's the best spawn video game appearance period um the spawn in the demon's hand from dreamcast is was good at the time yes and me and mark played the hell out of that game on dreamcast and enjoyed it and and there was a lot of content like that game had tons and tons of characters in it which was neat but i don't think you could go back and play that and really enjoy it um yeah. and like the the super nintendo spawn game was weird and it was okay but they they steadfast held to that weird uh energy counter that spawn had where like if he used too much magic he would he would die yeah i hate i hate that mechanic it's like the first x-men game for sega genesis it's arguably it's pretty clunky now amazing at the time except you had limited mutant abilities so literally wolverine's (laughs) mutant ability in that game was stabbing stuff with his claws which is an issue in itself but it like you could run out of your special moves like cyclops could run out of his optic beams like what the hell oh it kill it's so annoying like it, it that's an issue in video games and also in movies when they're dealing with superheroes and they don't know how to take a really powerful character and make them less powerful without taking their powers away and yeah. it's it, it, and it's funny it's linked to this i don't know i know you're not on twitter as much as i am but there was something going on with twitter because they announced that sam raimi's going to be officially directing Doctor Strange 2. Yeah, I saw that. Which, is, which they'd rumored a while back, but it's official now. Okay, cool. And then people started saying, oh, well, you know, Ray, you know, you can only, keep, you know, the stupid, you can only keep three meme out of nine. It's like, you only keep three Spider-Man movies. And everyone started talking about how the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man was the best Spider-Man ever. And while I like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man and the Green Goblin and that, Willem Dafoe was great. Uh, the second one, I didn't really like that movie. And they did it in the second one where, Oh, he just like loses his powers and he's got to figure out how to get his powers back. I'm like, that's, that's such a <laughs> shit storyline. And it's like Marvel kind of did it to Hulk too. They're like, well, Hulk has to be afraid of Thanos and not want to come out because if Hulk was here, he would just beat the shit out of everything, you know? And you're like, well, ugh, it's just, come on, you can write better than that. Like, yes, it's, it's difficult to write an unstoppable monster. It's why most of the Superman movies are probably not that great, you know, but one of my favorite videos on the internet is, uh, somebody took the music track out of spider-man 3 uh where he's like dancing down the street and being a creeper mm. like after he gets the uh, venom powers yep and so he's just like he's just like hey <laughs> and, and like <laughs> girls are like ew <laughs> i hate that movie i i hate that yeah, movie it's, it's god, god i hate that movie i did a video on the, i talked to this about this on the podcast after i watched it i watched did you watch venom uh, i did yes yeah did you like that movie uh I am pretty easy to please when it comes to superhero movies. So I was fine with it. Um, but I haven't watched it twice. <laughs> it's okay. If you like to manage, I did buy it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I hated it. I really hated okay. it. Um, but it, it's mostly because I have a lot of love for Spider-Man. And I think the problem was just, now they're talking about putting them together in the same universe. And I'm like, you already screwed up the story. Like, just don't do that. Just come on. And what it reminded <laughs> me of was it reminded me of the movies that we were forced to watch in the early 2000s that were superhero movies that were inaccurate, not owned, but not being made by Marvel or Disney, you know, like not being made by the source, didn't have anybody who cared about it making them. 
it was just like a property purge. So you got like an X-Men movie and I love the X-Men, but the X and the first X-Men movie was fine when I watched it, but my God, there's so it's not really a good movie. And, and, and it's like, <laughs> that's what Venom reminded me of. It reminded me of the movies we were putting up with before Marvel started their cinematic okay. universe, you know, that, that, and not that that's bad. Like those were suitable movies. It's just, we've been shown a better way and yeah. I want that better way for everything now. You know, and now they're talking about John Krasinski's and like secret talks with Marvel right now about maybe being Reed Richards. And I'm like, oh, my God, I hate the Fantastic Four, but just that's perfect. I'd probably care about it if, if it was in there. But God, he's such a, you, I'm surprised at how much I like Jim from The Office after watching uh, um, Quiet Place. I have not seen that yet, actually, but I've heard it's excellent. it is a damn good movie. Really? It's one of my favorite movies. I cannot get Nicole to watch it because it's got uh there's there's the possibility of a baby being in danger and <laughs> that's and, one of that's one uh, of her triggers like uh yep ba- baby da- endangerment yep <laughs> okay, so fair she enough. won't watch it but it's it is fantastic i i love it i bought it on 4k it's it's phenomenal movie i i was sad when the uh the sequel got delayed because i was i was pumped to see that at nice. the end of march yeah i want to watch that and that's part of the rumors that he's working out also directing a marvel movie too not just Hmm. acting in it but uh helping write and direct one too which would be really awesome i think but um but yes so so anyway sorry what are you playing (laughs) uh so uh i i've mostly been playing probably my two game of the year contestants right now which is final fantasy 7 remake and animal crossing of all games animal crossing Animal, I'm, I'm at about 130 hours in Animal Crossing, which the last time I put that many hours into a game is like Monster Hunter. And okay. Monster Hunter, I usually put about 300 to 400 hours in before I'm done with that entry. And uh, man, I don't know what it is with Animal Crossing. Like I, I just paid off my final upgrade to my house. It was 2.5 million bells. I paid that off. Now I'm going around and rearranging stuff. Like I'm making new bridges. I'm moving buildings that I put like in a crappy spot the first time. Like you have to pay to do all that. And so I couldn't justify paying 50 grand to move the museum and then 200 grand to build a bridge. (laughs) If I still owed 2 million to nook the crooks. So I, uh, so I finally paid all that off. That makes good sense. Yeah, that's fiscally responsible, being, as they yes, say. Yes, you're being responsible. <laughs> um, and so uh, so I, I played a lot of Animal Crossing. And so Final Fantasy VII, I, I want to talk a lot about this, but I think I'm going to save it for next week because I'm going to finish the game probably tomorrow. I thought I'd get it finished by today, and I ran into two more big areas of side quests. So okay. I decided to take out all the side quests in the game. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I really want to platinum this game. But one of the trophies is you have to beat every stage on the hardest difficulty. But when you finish the game, you can pick what chapter to replay on what difficulty, and you get to stay as the characters you are. So if I replay chapter one on the hardest difficulty with my mega super characters, I should just plow right through it. So we'll see. I'm I'm really going to have to test it because what makes hard mode hard is they do not let you use items in battle. Oh, weird. So, yeah, which... I use a lot of items when I fight, so it could be really bad. But if I'm overpowered, if I get to level 50, because I'm like level 35 or 36 now, if I get to 40 to 45, I think, you know, I could I could easily see uh, grinding that out. Plus, I just got the bonus experience materia. So I get whoever wears that gets 100% bonus experience. So nice. I can just rotate that between the characters to get everyone kind <clears> of <throat> maxed out. But I heard somebody talking about their hard playthrough and they said it was not that difficult. 
Okay, good. Good. That makes me very happy because I was actually, that's the only trophy I think that's going to give me a hard time. There's a couple other annoying ones. Like there's, uh, like one of the trophies is, so you, did you really didn't play the original, right? Uh, not really. Okay. So there's this part in the original where you have to sneak into Don Corneo's mansion and you have to cloud famously has to dress up like a woman. I know and about that. You, yes. So you know about that. So it, in this game, you're trying, like, it, it, based on decisions you make, there's three different dresses they can have. One of the trophies okay. is to get all three dress types. So you have to f- play that stupid stage three times. And that's the <laughs> one where you're doing, like, the, the... So in the original game, you had to go around. You had to, like, beat... You had to beat the gym, the gym rats at squats to get a wig then you had to save <laughs> the dressmaker's dad is at a at a bar being a drunk you have to bring him back he'll make you a dress and then finally you get perfume at the honeybee inn <laughs> by sitting in a hot tub with a bunch of hunks and it's fine that's okay. it's great it makes sense. 1997 <laughs> wild times man uh and so in this game it just has you get Arithal dressed up and then when you go to the honeybee inn a different event takes place i won't talk about it because if somebody wants to play it, it was a nice surprise, even though it's really stupid. What do you have to do? <laughs> and so I have to do that again. If I have to do that two more times, it can be really stupid. Not that it's hard okay. or not that it's whatever. It's just really kind of dumb, but it's fine. So I, so that's one of the annoying trophies I've seen is like, you have to get all three dresses for all three people. And I, I got three of them the first time. And so the next time I have to change my dialogue option so that we all three get different ones. And then I have to replay the level again to get the final three, you know, just, I don't know. It's, it just seems like one of those pointlessly grindy trophies, but I'll wait. Like I'll do that one. One of those ones last. And then, uh, when I'm, I'll, I'll talk to, I don't know. I'll talk to, I'll, I'll read online someone's strategy for how to do it <laughs> quick, Let's yeah. do it that way. but I do plan on platinum this game. So, but I do want to talk more about it, but I'm going to wait until next week when I've got it finished because I, what the little hint I'll give is I have not been this hot and cold on a game. I don't know if ever like when, what it does, right. It's practically got me in tears from the music and the emotional scenes and how good it all looks and the share and the story expansion. And then what it does wrong. It's so wrong. It's almost unplayable. So I, I have these fits of this is the greatest game I've played all year. And then I go back to what is wrong with this piece of crap. I can't stand this game. I hate it. You know, it's like I go back and forth on it. Like with it by out by the hour. Are you playing it with the old school battle system or are you playing it with the new hack and slash battle system? I'm playing with the new battle system. Okay. Which part of the issue I have with that game is that they made a very complicated battle system, which I like. They don't explain to you why it's so complicated and how certain mechanics work very okay. well. So a lot of times you're fighting like, why is this enemy not taking any damage? And early on, they give you this assess materia. You have to use it because if you don't okay. use it, you have no clue how to beat an enemy. It's not like, Oh, Hey, if you use fire, this guy takes extra damage. It's straight up is like when he's in the air, you have to hit him with fire to knock him out of the air. Then when he's on the ground, you have to use melee attacks. Like that's what it'll tell you. And it's like, well, I, Okay. <laughs> You know, like I wouldn't, some of the fights seem overly complicated for their strategies and you have to use their strategy or it doesn't work at all. Like there was one, there's one boss fight that literally took me a half an hour 
it was a half hour fight because I didn't have the right materia equipped when I went into it. Because after I assess them, they're like, oh, yeah, just use this materia. I'm like, I don't have that. I didn't equip it because, damn it. <laughs> so. Can you can you re-equip materia in a boss battle or no? No. And I wish you could. Okay. Even if it took, like, you know, two of the ATB bars or whatever, I would totally take that for a chance to equip an item or to change a piece of equipment. Because this game has some really cool stuff in it. Like, when, when you switch weapons, you can upgrade weapons. And so you can keep an original weapon like the Buster Sword. You can keep that weapon viable all the way to the end of the game by upgrading it. Okay. It's really awesome. And then what you do is certain weapons you'll max out to 100% efficiency. Every every sword has a specific skill. If you get that weapon to max efficiency, no matter what weapon you use, you get to use that skill. So it's in your best interest to use every sword and get it to max efficiency because then no matter what sword you use, you've got all six of the moves you've got or whatever, how oh, many nice. weapons you have. It's a really cool system, and I like it a lot. Um, except to, to become efficient with those weapons, they all have like a criteria. And sometimes it's just like, oh, you have to hit a guy three times in the air to get 10% of your efficiency. And I'm like, I don't, <sighs> it's like, so that I'm in a fight. It's, it reminds me of the daily quests you see on stupid BRs, you know, battle royales okay. where like, it'll be like, oh, you know, drop 10 times into the Coliseum. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to drop 10 times in the Coliseum. I never want to go to the Coliseum. Do do four <laughs> missions in the in the river. Like, I don't want to do missions in the river. Um, so I'll talk about you, more about that do next. Do you play week. enough? Do you play enough battle royals that uh, that you know those things? So I, I play a lot of PUBG. Um, okay. Well, I used to. I don't anymore. I've retired from PUBG officially. Uh, but um, I play a lot of Warzone, and Warzone's actually okay. really good. And I I did not expect to like a Call of Duty game. And I really like it. Like, it is. Like, I'm actually thinking about buying Modern Warfare just so that I can play, like, the normal deathmatch because I can only play the plunder mode and the battle royale right now. But the shooting's okay. good in that game. Like, you're just nice. Like, like I shoot at things and they die. I don't... It's weird. Like, I play PUBG and I shoot at guys and they don't die. In this game, I shoot at people <laughs> and they die. I don't, it's it's more fun. Um, But that's all. That's all I've been playing. So, yeah. Um, yeah I don't know. I mean, this... These two games, Animal Crossing and Final Fantasy, were kind of the perfect games to come out because now, like, they carried me through the last month. Because as of tomorrow, it'll be 30 days that we've been closed. As weird. of tomorrow. It is very weird. And I have a feeling that we're not... I think it might go through May. I think it might. Um, it, here, anyway. You know, like, in in different states, I could see it. But with, with Milwaukee and now, with the way we did the voting, I have a feeling that the it's gonna we're gonna see an uptick in cases just because of the the some spread there but i don't know did you vote by mail or did you have to go i voted by mail yeah that's something that uh like jenny and i always vote by mail so we just i mean like we requested our ballots a while back because we just kind of always do that and if you send in like a photocopy of your id i think you can get it where they just auto mail you your ballots for every election and I'm going to do that yeah. pretty soon just so that I get them auto sent out. So I don't have to remember to request one, but so I was dumb twice. Oh no. On the voting thing. So I, I tried to get the vote by mail thing set up and, uh, my, my mail route that I'm on is on the city hall. So it was like, Oh cool. They had forms like on a table to, to fill out, to get an absentee ballot. So I filled it out. And, uh, like a week before the election, I get an email that says, Hey, you filled this form out for the city of Green Bay. You live in Alloway. Uh, go fill this out for Alloway. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> um, so I didn't, I didn't uh, get the form done in time. 
Uh, well, and, and I knew it wouldn't, so I just didn't even bother to fill it out for Alloway. And then uh, I looked up online on election day to see where I was supposed to vote because most of the polling places were shut down. And so I Googled like Green Bay elections and the article I read said there's two polling places. If you live on the east side of the river, so my thought was east side of town, you vote at East High School. If you live on the west side of the river, you vote at West High School. I was like, all right, makes sense. Seemingly makes sense, yeah. Yep, went to East (laughs) High School, waited in line for three hours, and then I got to the front of the line, and somebody, or I was like, they're like, oh, uh, you voted Alloway. Uh, They're they're open. You just have to go to uh, Green Isle Park, and, and you can vote. I was like, cool. Cool. How long were you in line, do you think? Yeah, three hours. Are you um, serious? Yep. Oh, my. You <laughs> waited nice three hours about, to be told you were in the wrong place. Yep. The nice thing about uh, after I finally got to the correct polling place, um, it only took me like two minutes. Um, although, while I was waiting in line for the uh, at East High School, um, a very eccentric looking man uh, named Paul Boucher walked past and I keep seeing this guy and uh he's very very weird he when he walked past me in line he was wearing peach peach leggings with what looked like nothing underneath uh he's got long blonde hair with red or uh, with pink tips and just looks a little off and I was like I, I mentioned to one of the people that I was waiting in line with I was like, I keep seeing that guy everywhere. The last time I saw him, he was wearing uh, blue booty shorts maybe it's in the fate. morning. Maybe maybe it's fate, you know? So Keep crossing paths for some reason. They mentioned, they're like, you know he's on the ballot, right? I'm like, what? <laughs> he's on the ballot for school board. Oh. And if you oh. Googled him, the first thing that shows up is that he's got a, a record for... Uh, for indecent exposure <laughs> oh no and i was like oh my i hope he doesn't win oh, and my thankfully goodness. he did not <laughs> all right oh my goodness well i don't i don't so, know anything about that but i'm everywhere you go is an adventure i think <laughs> yeah that was my wacky election adventure <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's uh let's we're 42 minutes in already so let's get to the stories <laughs> yep. we're stretching this out because honestly we don't have a huge pickup piles and we only have two stories, and I don't think we're going to squeeze a lot out of these stories, but I think it's good. I think it's going to be good timing. So we, we milked a lot there <laughs> just talking about random stuff. But that was that's, I think, a lot of the fun, too, is just having these random conversations. So, uh, John, without further ado, let's begin. I'm going to cue us up, and then we're going to start talking about the Resident Evil 4 remake. Rule. All right. You ready? Yep. All right. Here we go. All right, so first up on the podcast today, John, like I mentioned earlier, we are going to be talking about Capcom and the rumor that Osaka-based M2 is working on a Resident Evil 4 remake. Now, we know that they remade Resident Evil 2. They just recently released Resident Evil 3. And you would think, obviously, numerically, Resident Evil 4 should be remade next. But they forgot one in there. <laughs> they forgot about Code Veronica. Not to mention a lot of the other great Capcom franchise, which could probably use with the remake, uh, Dino Crisis, one, I, two, I specifically know you're a fan of. Uh, <laughs> so the question I want to ask you, though, 
is, well, I'll tell you what, let me go through the story first and then I'll ask you the question I was going to ask you. But here, here, here's the article is as follows. Developments being led by Osaka-based M2, the new studio founded by former Platinum Games head Tatsuya Minami, which has been preparing for the project since 2018. Now that's kind of funny because Platinum Games were all made up of former Capcom developers. So <laughs> the Capcom developers left to make platinum and then they left platinum to make a new studio that capcom's hiring to work on their games so um <laughs> the article goes on to say however similar to how 2020 resident evil 3 was directed by company redworks capcom's internal teams and other external studios are likely to lend significant development resources then there was an update saying that more alleged details have emerged on the remake project including claims that would be co-developed by parts of the resident evil 2 and devil may cry 5 team it's understood that the remake has the blessing of original game director Shinji Mikami, who officially declined an approach to lead the project himself, but has provided informational or excuse me, informal advice on its direction. The studio helming the remake has been in operation since 2018 and is comprised of many former Platinum and Capcom employees. Along with M2 recently contributing to the development of 2019's Resident Evil 3. So that's actually funny that uh, M2 helped with Resident Evil 3, and now they're being given the reins to Resident Evil 4. Um, so, and then lastly, the article goes on to say that Resident Evil 4 is Capcom's highest rated game of all time, according to Metacritic, with sales totaling 7.5 million copies across various platforms. So, John, my question to you then, do you think Resident Evil 4 actually needs a remake? Or do you think it's because because uh, let's go over it, right? So it started on GameCube as an exclusive. Then a better version came out on PS2. Then they released it digitally on PS3 and 360. And then they put it out physically remade for PS4, Xbox One, and it's on PC, which apparently the PC update makes it look beautiful. With all that and said... A lot of well, a lot of people also say that the Wii version is the, the Wii. best version I forgot about of the Wii version as well. So I wouldn't go as far as say it's the best version, but I would say that the reticule aiming, because what they did was use the Wii remote to aim, which obviously initially your first thought is like, Ugh. but <laughs> it, it, it actually, instead of a red sight, red dot sight, they give you a reticule. So you're aiming with that. It's, it actually works pretty well. I will say the Wii version of that controls very well. Never thought I'd say that about any port to the Wii from from ps2 and gamecube but it works pretty well well what i've heard from people that are uh colorblind is that the reticle aiming or the the red dot sight aiming is really really difficult if you're sure. colorblind and so it's very the, difficult the if you're not colorblind. having that reticle is <laughs> is definitely better yeah it's very difficult if you're not colorblind you can't see the red dot i know <laughs> yeah i'm old i got bad eyes i can't see uh so then john my question to you is does this game even need a remake? And would you rather they remade this or Code Veronica first? Or do you even care about Code uh, Veronica? I should probably ask. Maybe you don't even care. I do really like Code Veronica. Um, man, that uh, do you remember the opening scene with uh, with Claire Redfield running away from that helicopter? It was amazing. Uh, spraying bullets. Yeah, that was just awesome. Now, before um, you get into it, I'll just say, so when that game came out, my, my older brother and I have a tradition that w like when new Resident Evil games and new Metal Gear games come out, we typically play them together, even though mm -hmm. obviously they're single player games. And he was working third shift at the time and I had bought it on Dreamcast 
and I, w- I waited up for him all night to get home so that we could start playing it. And I ended up falling asleep, unfortunately, <laughs> but like, that's how excited I was to play this game with him. And like, I remember that opening cutscene where yeah, she's running through like the umbrella building and the helicopter shooting. Like it just was awesome. Like it took everything yeah. that the PS one games had done. Just, it just ramped it up and it was awesome. Absolutely awesome. But anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, well, actually uh funny thing about you saying you played that game with your brother uh, that was kind of the tradition with me and Mark Gibson was we would play the Resident Evil games together. Like we beat Resident Evil 2 in under two and a half hours on one of the scenarios and then nice. uh, played through Resident, Resident Evil 3 together. And then I think we played the majority of uh, Code Veronica as well. Um, I would like to see Code Veronica remade. Um, and I definitely want to see 4 remade. I do think that they should use this as an opportunity to clean up the very, very weird storyline that has kind of diverged from the Resident Evil games because I really think it got very far from what the original three, four were, starting with four. Now, four is a damn good game. Definitely. But I feel like four is where it started to not make sense. The, um, yeah. I always say this about Leon, or about Leon. So Leon in Resident Evil 2, it was his first day on the job at at the Stars uh, police station. They were literally throwing a party for mm-hmm. him uh, to celebrate his first first day on the job. The next time you see him, he is trying to save the president's daughter. He's like personal security. Isn't he personal security for like her well, before she goes over? Or something like, because yeah. I thought he was, or he was part of that, but you're right, exactly. He goes from being rookie then, cop to super spy <laughs> protector. Right, and then the next time you see him, he is in the White House as, like, the chief of secret service for the president. And I think he shoots the president in the face because it he becomes a zombie. Oh, sweet. So, like... The career trajectory for hmm. Leon is really outstanding. Hey, the, the guy, he's a go-getter, okay? You know, he's a go-getter. He works hard. He puts the time in. He... <laughs> but, like, personally, I miss the the intrigue behind the the evil Umbrella Corporation and the the small, like, the city environments and stuff. And, like, I hated Five. Like, and I remember in, in Resident Evil Code Veronica, they talked about uh, Chris Redfield being in our Antarctica. And so that was where Chris was between one and code Veronica was that he was somewhere in Antarctica. Yeah. And then the next time you see Chris, he has done a crap load of steroids. <laughs> He's working for this new, new bio terrorist organization. The BSA. BSA. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And then he's in Africa and I feel like they they really didn't tr- they didn't seem like they wanted to connect the stories from the original games with the stuff that they were d- sure. laying out with five and and then six I didn't even play like I I couldn't stand six it's it's rough man it's rough uh, so what's funny is I loved five but that's because I went through it with a friend never played okay. it by myself that game was so fun co-op like we were playing it together I'm like oh this is great like i don't understand why people are dumping on this game and then to finish up a trophy or two i started playing a little bit by myself and playing with the ai teammate I'm like this is almost unplayable in single player <laughs> I, I i can't i can understand why anybody who played it single player didn't like it i thought it was i hated it single player 
Um, but I, I totally, totally agree with you. Multiplayer, but I played it with an idiot. So the AI might have been more intelligent than <laughs> well, the guy that I played it with. That will do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 that's actually a really good point. Resident Evil 4 obviously was very influential and a very good game, like you said. I totally agree. Yep. I think after I beat that game, I just sat back. I was like, this might be one of the best games I've ever played. Like, I remember saying that at the time. I haven't played it since. I should probably play that game again, but I'll wait now for the remake. But, and, and I definitely say they could do a lot with that. They could they could do more with the with the scenery. They could do more with expanding on the story because like a lot of remakes, even the Final Fantasy VII remake they're doing right now, they're doing such a good job with expanding on the story beats in this. Like Resident Evil 3, I don't know if you finished that yet or not, the remake of 3. I haven't but, played it yet. So the remake of 3 does a really good job of connecting like to 2 and to expanding on certain things like like just things that maybe you glossed over or were something you read in a document file now they're actually giving it some time in a cutscene right so okay the, the i love that about remakes 4 could use that like 4 could use a little bit better explanation but i agree 4 was definitely where the story just went like bonkers like it just went yeah. nuts and so 5 continued to be nuts wesker is like superman you know, it's so, it's so weird. Yeah. And then, you know, and, and, and I mean, the end of Resident Evil 5, when you're fighting in a volcano, you're fighting in a literal volcano and Chris is punching boulders. Like this is, this is where we've come from. <laughs> you're taking on zombies with a pistol in Resident Evil 1 to punching boulders in a volcano to kill Wesker. Muscle milk does wonders. Man. It, it's, it's crazy, man. When you really hit that, hit the gym. Uh, so, the, and I agree too. Of- oh, the end of uh, Resident Evil 5, you mentioned it, and I figured I would at least touch on it because uh, it was ridiculous. So I went into the end of Resident Evil 5 with, like, 60 grenade rounds, and I pumped all of them into Wesker's face. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Destroyed me. And I, I think I did it again, still got destroyed, and I got so fed up, and I was playing with this moron, and I was just like, I just want to be done. So I ran straight up to Wesker out of frustration, and I did I did the typical John stupid move, which is uh, just running into danger and doing the dumbest thing mm. you possibly can. I like it. And I just hacked away at him with my knife. That killed him. Oh. <laughs> oh. So I killed Wesker with a knife after much frustration. That that time, I did not fire anything at him besides shoot or hitting him with the knife, and it killed him better than grenade rounds did. Wow. Uh, yeah, I can see why you have a little bit of hatred left over for that game. Yep. <laughs> um, Fantastic game balancing. <laughs> so I, I'm with you, I think, where I would love a Code Veronica remake because I almost think it just more needs it. Not that Code Veronica is a better game. I don't think Code Veronica is better than Resident Evil 4. And this is clearly a, the safer move. Like, let, let's just be honest about it. Like, Capcom knows 4 sold way better than Code Veronica, so they're banking on mm-hmm. the fact that a remake of 4 would sell better than a remake of Code Veronica, which they're probably right. Uh, plus, I mean, I would argue that 3 is getting kind of beat up in the reviews a little bit because it's very short and people had some issues, I guess, with some of the, it's like some of the, the, how linear it was, you know, which I mean, most games are, but this game had a lot, to me, a lot less exploration, you know? Uh, yeah. And I liked 3, I liked it well enough, 
but it's definitely short. Like I think I finished at four and a half hours or something. I mean, it was, it was very short and the replay value is just doing challenges to earn money or like to earn a currency that you unlock like infinite rocket launcher with stuff like that. So, you know, some people would like that. I personally would not Resident Evil resistance online mode. I do not find interesting at all. Have you gone back into it since you originally tried it? I haven't, but it wasn't like the game being broken in the beta didn't help, but it wasn't fun even when it was working. So I might go back and check it out, but unless I had a perfect party of four to work together, I probably wouldn't want to play it. Um, rando some rando calrissians would just not be fun to play that game with because like some some people will sit there because you can stand in the doorway and block people and then you can it's just, oh it's just that. it's it's a whole pain in the ass oh. um so i'm with you i would love to see a remake of code ronica but this is the smart move go for resident evil 4 it's obviously beloved um i i wonder let me ask you this then what do you think they could change in the game that would make it better obviously you're going to see like improved visuals like that's always a standard for a remake but what do you like what do you think they could do to really give this game more than just the visual upgrade um as far as in resident evil 4 i would i would like a reason why leon is where he is so like some prequel stuff you're, you're talking like you'd yeah. actually like a little more opening story and stuff yeah i would like a an epilogue um or is it epilogue prologue prologue sorry epilogue? Um, i would like a prologue uh <laughs> to kind of fill out why leon is in this random eastern european country doing what he's doing and kind of give you an idea of where they are in the timeline a little bit um give you fill in some backstory of like what happened after he left raccoon city and where those those other survivors are and i would like them to like have this be a reset to the entire series like i like resident evil 2 resident evil 3 like all these remakes i would like them to just act like five never happened act like six never happened and continue on from there yeah six definitely can never have happened i'm okay with that just forget six although i would say i know what they were trying to do with six like they had almost every character that's ever been in a game showed up in some respect and it was really cool like it was like a send-off almost you know where bring together all these characters for like a final world ending scenario it just the game Mm -hmm. wasn't fun like and and that was my issue with it and it wasn't like you're bouncing back between three sets of stories two characters per i was like eh jake wesker eh, come on we got to bring wesker back somehow by having his son i'm like come on what are we doing here did wesker did wesker make an appearance in remake two or remake three no no i mean yeah i mean you you get referenced you get referenced to him um well he, he wasn't in those games at all either though he didn't come back until code veronica that was kind of like the okay. twist in Code Veronica was he was back and he had like some superhuman strength or powers. So it was like, holy crap, Wesker's back. So he's kind of, that, that's what I would like about Code Veronica is it kind of, it, it, it continued the legacy of that character, which I do like Wesker well enough. I mean, he just starts off as like a stupid, you know, like the head of stars. And all of a sudden you find out he's like a super secret agent, but now he's super strong and now he wants to take over the world. And actually in five, I think wasn't the whole thing was he wanted to, 
turn the whole world into like mutated people like him or something. It's like, I don't why would remember. you want to make a world where you're not special anymore? <laughs> like right now you can kill anyone you want. Why would you, except for Chris, of course, but why, why would I you just remember? I think five had the slow-mo QTE battle with Wesker where you were, you were fighting him with a knife. Uh, yeah, five had a lot of things that four did the first time, like four introduced all those QTEs and four had the fight with Krauser. And so five was like, oh, we can kind of do something similar. You know, we'll have a lot of QTEs punching boulders and, and then, uh, like, (laughs) I don't remember a knife fight with Wesker, but I'm sure it was in there. And I think at the end, I think you just hit him with a rocket or something because you're flying away and he's in the volcano or so. It doesn't matter. I don't know. Spoiler. It might've been the, the Krauser fight then. I might've been... It's been so long. You might, you might be I've thinking the Krauser, the Krauser fight was 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 pretty cool. I remember at the time, I remember being kind of frustrating, but I remember it being really cool, like really cinematic experience. But um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I would love to see like an intro to what Leon was doing before all that. Like, not even if it's anything you play. Like, just give me like a 30 second like news clippings of like what happened after Raccoon City, and like maybe show like what he was doing or have him do like a, like a, a flashback or something. And he talks about after that, you know, he went and stayed at this military base and then he got on the president's detail because he rescued somebody, you know, something. Um, yeah, that, that would be cool. I'd, I'd be down for that. And, and that's what three did three connected to two really well. If you play Resident Evil three, there's a really cool throwback to two. And I would like to see four, even though it's in a totally different continent, I would like to see four make those connections again. You know, keep, keep like you said, keep it like a cohesive universe. Um, but I'm trying to think what else they could really do. I mean, Resident Evil 4 created a lot of the modern action game stuff we see today. Like, you could argue that Resident Evil 2 Remake is running... It's not on the Resident Evil 4 engine, but it's, it's basically Resident Evil 4. Like, they made the gameplay like yeah. Resident Evil 4. So... How, how do you make four more like four? It already is four. So, I mean, obviously visual Pretty upgrade, enough. connect the story. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess, like you said, try to make it a little more sense, but I don't know. I, I don't, I, I kind of don't see the point in remaking this game, like getting the, the PS4 version. I was really happy with, and the steam version I don't have. Apparently it's really good. Like you can, you can get like HD texture packs or something for it and make it look just like gorgeous. Mod in Thomas the Tank Engine. You can mod for, in. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Baghead guy. <laughs> I haven't seen a video of that, but I want to. So I'm going to go look for that. For I've, podcast seen, <laughs> I've seen a mod of Resident Evil 2 where they replace Tyrant or uh, Mr. X with uh, Thomas the Tank that, Engine. That I have seen, and I love that. That's one of my favorite things. Or like uh, the Macho Man in Skyrim. But um, I would like rest them in peace. to stop putting. <laughs> the unstoppable killing machine guy chasing you the entire time because like um with mr x in two and nemesis in three the reason i didn't replay three on playstation one very much was nemesis stressed me out yeah and so then they put him in two and then that's also why i didn't like um evil within was they had this unstoppable killing machine that you just had to turn tail and run from the entire time. Yeah. Um, so I'm not a fan of the unstoppable killing machine in my horror games. I want to be able to actually stand my ground and fight back against something. Uh, and uh, actually, Evil Within 2 did a great job of like totally re- redoing that entire franchise 
and two was fantastic. I really, really liked it. I, I started to play two and I was really getting into it and then something else came along, but I did not like the first one. So I didn't, I was Same. like disappointed and I really wanted to like the second one. I just, I don't, I'm, I'm not even gonna say I didn't like it. I just fell off. I don't, I was playing something else or something, but, um, but yeah. So, uh, now let me just ask you one last question. We'll move off this story. If you could pick, and I know what your answer is already, but if you could pick any other Capcom franchise from the PS1 era or Dreamcast era and you wanted it remade, what would you pick? I already know the answer. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I would like, uh, obviously, I would like Dino Crisis 2, but I would like them to not leave it on a cliffhanger. I would like them to actually finish that storyline that would be fantastic. And, and it would make sense um, to do the first one first and then do the second one. Yeah. Not that they're like directly yeah. tied or anything, but I will admit <laughs> Dino Crisis 2 is the superior game and it was because they got away from the Resident Evil formula. Like Dino yeah. Crisis, just like Animusha, was Resident Evil with a new theme slapped on it, you know? And But then those games grew into their own as they kind of expanded a little bit. Um, which, by the Actually, way... Yeah. Oh, Oh, I was thinking about Anamusha today when I was uh, I was looking at like like weighing out game of the week and all that. And uh, man, I wish they would have kept putting the re- I wish they would have kept remastering the Anamusha games. Yeah, I wish we got would have gotten two and three and um, uh, the Dawn of Dreams, whatever that fourth one was called. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, I don't even care if it was a lazy remaster like the first one was. Yeah, um, it, it's really just like a PC port, which I'm totally fine with. Yeah. I, I was that's what I was going to say was I played Animusha on PS4. I actually beat it in one sitting. But again, oh, it, it was great, though. I loved it. And again, it was only 20 bucks. Like, the, that's yep. the remaster price that I can settle with. I bought Resident Evil 4 again on PS4 because it's 20 bucks. Who cares? Like. 20 bucks for a physical game or 15 to 10 if you get a used one like that's perfect price for me like i'll pay that to have what i would consider the definitive version of a game and absolutely so and test the waters for for your possible sequels right and i'm surprised that the animusha series has been dead for so long because that's a capcom series you can bring back semenosuke from the first like and there is some like the ending of that game is pretty wild you know but it was fun <laughs> I, I thought animusha was great and when they did the ps4 version they opened it up like resident evil where you have full analog control and like yep. it totally changes how you play the game it's much less broken like or i should say it's <laughs> it's, it's 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 more broken because the enemies can't respond to you they're not expecting you to be able to move the way you move but it makes it more fair and more fun okay and so i i thought it was great i my brother and i actually sat down I started playing it and I was like, holy crap. And I went all the way to the end and just beat it. Like it was like four hours or something. So it was really short, but that was a great experience. And again, 20 bucks, you know, it wasn't Resident Evil three, four hours for 60 bucks, even though I liked Resident Evil three a lot. Um, so your vote would be for Dino crisis two and my vote. What's yours? Uh, I'd probably say the first Dino crisis just because it needs it more. (laughs) Like Dino crisis Mm. two is still playable. I would say Dino crisis or it would be Animusha. Like as far as the remake goes, where they actually like totally touch up all the graphics, like, um, or if I want to get really wild with it, I would love to see a remake of God Hand, <laughs> but that's never happening. And <laughs> hey, that's and that's that's Clover. So that's if people worked at Platinum were the people that worked at Clover. So who knows? Maybe M two could pick it up sometime and 
make a God Hand sequel, which that game I'm sure sold like next to nothing. Gangbusters. <laughs> but that game, <laughs> let me tell you, I, I love that game. That game is hard too. Like that, that game does not mess around. Um, but just excellent. I should, uh, I should play through that again, but all right. I bought that game at launch and was like, what the hell is this? Yeah. At the time it, it wasn't right. Like it didn't feel good at the time. And then later I went back to, I was like, this actually is really fun. Kind of like way of the samurai. When I first played it, I was like, eh, I'm really, really cold on this game. I don't get, I don't get it. And then I started playing it more later. I was like, this is actually a really good game hidden here. You know, like there was something really, (laughs) like they made something really special there, but, um, so, okay. So if we could remake one, you'd remake Dino Crisis 1 and I would remake Dino Crisis or God Hand. So, sounds good. All right. So, yeah, I, I uh, hmm. I'm a little torn. I'm a little torn on Dino Crisis because I think it'd be good. Just remake it with the over the shoulder camera and dinosaur jersey. Well, yeah, that'd be fine. The, the dinosaurs in Dino Crisis 1 were such a like rare occurrence that they were trying to be more of a horror game. Mm. And that's that was my problem with it. Like, they were still trying to make a horror game out of it when it shouldn't be a horror game. It should just be kind of action-adventure. Yeah. And, and, and that's where 2 really two, hit that spot. Yeah, 2, I think you could, like, buy ammo or something, too, right? So it had, like, a currency yep. system. So you could, you know, you never felt like... Like you, like you were saying, exactly, you want to be able to fight back. So, yep. yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, all right, let me close out a couple windows here because... Oh, I'm really excited for this, John. This is cooking mama time. It's cooking mama time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to queue it up, and then we're going to go. Uh, oh, I'm going to queue it up, and then we're going to go. You ready? Yep. All right, and here we go. So next up on the podcast today, John, as I said earlier, we're going to be talking about an update to a story we talked about last week. So it's part two of the cooking mama jarama actually part two and three it's our second video but we have an update already now if you remember the last video or the podcast last week we talked about this and it was like oh we'll see what happens well we already know what's gonna happen (laughs) so uh it first what happened was the ip holder office create right so they're the they're the company who gave the rights to the company that made the game so it's planet entertainment is the publishing company and again what's the what's the developer again i forget it's p1 uh first uh, i had it uh <laughs> we should really whatever know this. but anyways p1 for short sorry to anybody listening who who knows that and you're like screaming at the radio <clears throat> um they're they're makers of 500 garbage it's it's a uh, uh, in, for- uh in- educational games on like playstation 2 and uh it's actually yes and whatnot right here in the article john i should have just read it first playable productions yes so the publisher is planet entertainment the developer's first playable productions it was released for the switch digitally for a very short amount of time and physical for also a very short amount of time which i mean technically i mean it's probably just the whole first shipment so i wonder how many copies even went out but as the story goes, so according to Office Create, again, this is the IP holder, the Japanese company that owns the rights to the game. While the company licensed the Cooking Mama intellectual property to Planet Entertainment in August 2018, development builds of the game did not meet Office Create's quality standards. 
the company rejected, quote, a wide range of deficiencies affecting the overall feel, quality, and content of the game, end quote, which Planet Entertainment were, quote, unquote, contractually obligated to correct. However, Planet Entertainment proceeded to release the game without addressing all of the issues and without Office Create's approval. The company also addresses the unauthorized PlayStation 4 version of Cooking Mama. Listings for the PlayStation 4 version appear across multiple European distributor and retailer websites. While the Switch version can be found now, the PlayStation 4 version is listed to release on either May 12th or April 28th. So one of those two days. According to Office Create, it did not license Planet Entertainment to develop a PS4 version of the game. <laughs> Office Crate is currently evaluating legal action against Planet Entertainment, but did not share any further information at this time. So here's the full statement. Um, we have also learned that uh, I'm just, well, I guess the article kind of summed it up anyway. But it basically says, yeah, in August 2018, they licensed out the game to Planet Entertainment. As they're making the game, they're giving them these builds, and apparently the game sucks. <laughs> Either it doesn't have the feel, <laughs> it's not good, whatever the reason is. And so Office Crate's like, hey, you got to fix these things. It's in our contract. That they, I mean, and this is something that's in contract, right? So it's, it's, you know, you have a quality standard to uphold and that oftentimes the IP holder has the final say of a game being released. Now I don't have in front of me their contract, sadly, so I can't look at it and do that for myself. So this was what came out earlier today. So basically Office Create issues a statement saying, hey, we didn't authorize this. We had the game pulled. We're probably going to sue them over it. It's a whole big deal. And you're like, oh, well, that's, that's an update, right? That's that's the update we we're looking for. But wait, there's more, John. We got more. So after that comes out, Planet Entertainment responds to Office Create's Cooking Mama Cookstar statement, says that there's no legalities preventing publishing. So then Planet Entertainment goes on to reply in full here. Planet Entertainment wants to explain the mystery surrounding the Nintendo Switch game to all Cooking Mama Cookstar fans. Wait, is this the original one or is this the new one? Yeah, this, this, is the, this is the new one. Unfortunately, creative differences arose as Cooking Mama Cookstar was near completion that were outside the scope of our agreement and the game design approved by Office Create. By contract, Planet is fully within its rights to publish Cooking Mama Cookstar. There is no active litigation or ruling that prevents Planet from publishing the game. Cooking Mama fans have been very enthusiastic about Cooking Mama Cookstar, including the many new features including vegetarian, unicorn food, potluck party, <laughs> plus more. We appreciate the overwhelmingly positive response and support from Cooking Mama Cookstar fans. Office Crate has our total respect. We thank them for their wisdom and wish them well. <laughs> so that's their response to Office Crate basically saying these, these people do not, they released a subpar product without our permission. Wow. That's a lot to take in. That is, that is a lot to take in. Uh, so, John, I guess my question to you would be, I really wish we had this statement so that I could read it for myself and see how I would would read the, the legalese. But, John, my question to you is, I already know the answer, but did you get a copy and are you going to buy another one to hold on to and collect? <laughs> um... Yes, I bought a copy because uh, it was on my last week's uh, pickup pile. But no, I will not buy another copy. Um, would I buy a PS4 copy if it came out? Yes. I would in uh, a heartbeat, yes. And I was actually going to mention to you, <laughs> I was going to say, if you see the PS4 uh, game for sale anywhere online, please let me know ASAP because I will buy that. Um, that one I would probably end up actually playing. Mm -hmm. um, but 
the switch one I will probably keep sealed. And uh, I'm, I I have a theory about this, and it's it may be tinfoil hatty, um, but I kind of feel like Planet released this to skate by. Like I kind of feel like they're they're like we need to make some money. Let's just throw it out there. And I I feel like the um, the bad press slash weird release of this is probably generating more sales sure. than if they would have just put it out like in a month from now fixed. Yeah, I actually don't think that's that far-fetched. And it's based on the relationship here. It's not like Office Create is publishing the game where they gave them a bunch of money to make the game. They paid mm. Office Create for the IP rights, so they're already sunk in money for that. Then Planet Entertainment hires a development studio to make the game. So Plan Entertainment's on both ends spending money. I'm not going to say taking a loss or anything at this point. And they're 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 a company that that's how companies work. You spend money to make money. So I'm not going to shed any tears for Planet Entertainment. But they're they're sunk cost both ways. They paid money up front for the IP. They paid money up front for a studio to develop the game. So I totally agree. I think they're trying to recoup costs. And I think that they th- may have released it thinking, if we put it out there and everyone loves it, Office Create won't care. They, they, they'll be like, okay, fine. You're fine as long as the game's being received well, which some people are saying four or five out of five, and some people are saying four or five out of ten. Like, it's a, it's a weird game in that regard where some people are saying it's trash and broken and horrible, and then some people are saying it's really awesome and cute and wholesome. I mean, it's Cooking Mama. There's not really a whole lot going on there. <laughs> you know. I, I read one of the reviews I read said that the motion controls are very broken, and that's the major complaint about it. And they already uh, released an update for it, which tells me which okay. tells me they're still working on it because they didn't update, I think, to fix some of the optimization issues, which were mistakenly accused of being Bitcoin farmers <laughs> turning your switch into a Bitcoin farm um, because someone on Discord said it. Uh, so I, I would go on to say I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And I also think that they they were probably close to just eating it entirely. And unfortunately, I think they miscalculated. I don't think they realized that a Japanese company isn't just going to say, oh, the money's good, the money's rolling in, okay, we're fine with it. Because I have a feeling that Office Create got paid a bulk payment up front, but probably still get some on the back end. And so if they're still getting some on the back end, Planet Entertainment thought, hey, we'll just sell the game a bunch and they'll be happy because they just got free money rolling in. But some company culture is different, and I have a feeling that Cooking Mama off company office create their culture might be different. They might care more about the IP, and let's be honest, they're worried about future entries that they make. Because if they make a version and the reputation is sunk because you know this company made a subpar version, then they have to deal with that. You know they have to deal with possible lost sales. Um, so the last thing I want to mention then, uh, and actually I use the link you sent me. So I did buy another one off of their website Okay. Um, because I went to look at it because I thought, you know what? I should probably buy another one, especially because the drama is still happening. If if Office Create said, oh, it was a mix up or, you know, we talked with Plan Entertainment and we, we've decided to release the game, it'd be different. But it seems like they're both digging in 
And if there's a if there's a cease and desist to stop selling the game and to stop producing it for the time being, that would be no game for a year or two while it works its way through the system, the uh, <clears throat> the court systems. So, I I think it's a good idea if you're interested in this game to to pounce on it. Um, when I went to that website to buy one, I went yesterday, and it said sold out. I was like, oh, okay, well that makes sense. You know, it was hard to find and resellers probably picked them all up but then at the top of the page it said something like it will be back up for sale april 15th and then there was some sort of like hey sorry if you got charged more than the asking price we had an issue with our website you'll get refunded the difference blah 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 (laughs) and so i saw that as well right i saw that so i thought okay so then today i went on it was up there were copies they only let you buy one so i was only able to get one extra but yeah yeah i think that game is gonna be very very uncommon and switch is super hot if the PS4 version never ends up coming out and the Switch version ends up being super limited and wasn't on the eShop, I think that game will will go through the stratosphere rarity-wise. I mean, I don't yeah. think it'll peak. I don't think it'll peak more than maybe 100 to 200 bucks at any given time, but right now it's sitting around 65, 70, 80. So, yeah, which is about double retail. There, so. there is a copy on or on eBay right now for 5 grand if anybody's in. Is it water graded? <laughs> Uh, it is not yet. Uh, <laughs> we joke. You joked about that last week. They probably got in like twenty copies of that just this week for grading. And they're probably laughing their butts yep. off about it. Uh, but yes, I do think this will be one of those kind of holy grail collectors' items if the current situation doesn't really better itself, especially if Planet Entertainment ends up losing some long drawn out lawsuit. Um, but the other thing too is I don't think they made a lot of copies of this game anyway, because even the ones that were out in the wild. Like targets were the only stores really getting them. And the funny thing too is Amazon has it. You showed me this and I saw it earlier today. Amazon has some copies for sale from 2K games. So the publishing company 2K has a Amazon store where they sell their games and they have copies of Cooking Mama Cookstar <laughs> for the Switch. But they're yeah. what, like $68 or something? It makes no sense. Uh, 62 is what I saw, I believe. Yeah, weird. I don't I don't get that. And then it's funny because it says bestsellers and it shows like NBA 2K20 and Cooking Mama Cookstar, WWE 2K19. It's not a game they have anything to do with. It's not a game they have anything to do with. Like, Although I wonder if maybe they're handling distribution for Planet Entertainment. Like Planet Entertainment said, hey, can we use your storefront to sell copies or something? I mean, I could see that, but why wouldn't Planet Entertainment just make an Amazon store and sell it themselves or they have their own website right so why would you i don't know i'm kind of wondering if um because planet entertainment had an amazon store that was like cooking mama cookstar official or something like that oh okay i kind of wonder if if uh office create did a cease and desist on amazon to get their to get their store shut down i could see that and that might have that might have been why they had to then make that Shopify website uh, in order to sell the cooking mom themselves as they got kicked off Amazon. Well, and that, that makes sense that that is where that that's where they would go because the only way they'll pull their own website down, I don't think Shopify pulls sites down. Like, I don't think that's how that works. So they'd have to send a cease and desist to Planet entertainment and they would have to take the site down, which obviously won't happen until they, get like an official court order or something, I think. But Yeah, maybe maybe Planet Entertainment sold some copies of the game sideways to 2K, uh, and that's why they have a $20 premium tacked onto the top maybe, of Maybe, but that's so weird, though, that an official 
publishing company like 2K has its own store. And they're essentially, for lack of a better term, like scalping these things for yeah. a 50% increase in price. Like it's it's weird. Like it's not weird if people do it, but it's weird when a multi-million dollar, billion dollar corporation like 2K does it, you know, it's, I, it's weird. Well, I mean, I think there's probably a lot of companies right now at this time probably thinking, all right, how can we make some revenue whatever the in whatever way you can think of yeah that's fair i guess plus they're not they there's rumored that wwe 2k 21 is is being canceled like they're not even going to release one this year and obviously 2k 20 is a mess like it just it's just awful it, it bricked itself on new year's <laughs> day 2020 <laughs> which like you well, can't the, write um, these headlines it's amazing nba bricked itself when the um when the basketball season ended up getting canceled the uh when you started the game up it would uh, it would go online and it would pull information down that's right for that's right the the game of the week and there were no games of the week and so the game would just end up getting booted out to oh, no. uh, and crashing crashing out to your your system's main dash so yeah the the 2k games about a rough couple months yeah although that glitch video for 2k wrestling was phenomenal <laughs> man the, the, i i can never get enough of those and there's also these ufc glitch videos and the guy the guy who makes them or announces them sounds like just like joe rogan and so <laughs> it's it's great it's hilarious if you ever watch the ufc glitch video compilations they're just fantastic um i watched the the wwe one you know how um the wrestlers were like doing this weird like kneeling walking backwards mm-hmm I showed that video to my wife, Nicole, and then we went to Walmart like two days later and some weird old man like did that weird walk across an aisle. (laughs) Just like, what the hell? And it's not like he was within the age range where I would have thought he was copying the the game. It was like a glitch in the matrix. hmm. (laughs) Or maybe you just, you watched the video and you were just like, drifting in and out of consciousness on the shopping trip and then you just imagined it all maybe nope because nicole definitely <laughs> saw it as well <laughs> that's amazing man um yeah but it was great uh as far as cooking mama goes uh i guess we'll probably have an update in six months to a year when we know more uh anything I else think, to say john about cooking mama i think six months to a year from now somebody's gonna be out of business either planet uh planet entertainment or uh first productions one of those companies is gone <laughs> that's my prediction first playable productions or yeah. planet entertainment did, did we know what planet entertainment did we talked about that um, last week didn't we didn't they like publish some roller coaster games they've got a whole lot of um uh hunting games for the switch on their website i know i don't own a lot of games sure Hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think planet entertainment is probably going to be the, the loser in this equation because I'm pretty sure that first, first playable productions or whatever the heck they're called. I think they, they are not the ones that are necessarily violating the, the legal agreement that they had with, with the office create everybody in this equation, by the way, has the worst possible company name. Yeah, this is very. Yeah, the, the, all these names are rough to get through. Yeah, but I Office agree. Create, 
first playable planet. Blah. So, um, but yeah, I think planet will probably be out of business in a year. Yeah. And I think first playable, I mean, honestly, that's not a bad game to have on a resume and it's not getting destroyed or anything. Like there are people who don't like it, but for the most part, the game itself is not being universally shredded. It's like some yeah. people love it. Some people don't. And so that's not a great win, but you know, I could see, so that studio will probably get work. Um, you're right. Planet though, like they're the ones on the hook. And this is why now I'm not, you know, here comes Greg, the bootlicker again, but I, I, I'm not like a burn all publishers to the ground kind of guy, because there are a lot of publishing companies that aren't that big, you know? And so I do appreciate publishers that try to bring games to market, that try to fund development of games like this, this, Obviously, Office Crate was not planning on a Switch or PS4 version of Cooking Mama themselves. So they licensed out the IP to someone else in 2018. So we wouldn't have a Cooking Mama game at all, if you care. I am fine without a Cooking Mama game on the market. But a lot of people (laughs) will get a lot of enjoyment out of this game. And so we should be happy when a publisher like this publisher went out and got the IP, tried to make a good game. Probably should have put a little more money into a more known studio, but... Hey, you do the best you can with what you've got. And and so I, I, I hate to see this because I don't really think there's any winners here. Because if the game is awesome and sells well, Office Creates, even if they don't have any money on the back end coming in, Office Creates still benefits from the bonus of their IP gaining traction and becoming popular. Planet Entertainment can grow as a company, maybe publish another obscure IP that they buy that they buy the rights to. And then 1P is a bunch of developers that are trying to make a name for themselves making video games. And so I would I wish they would settle this in a non-rough way and then get it all out so it was all out there. And I say that as somebody who's banking on this thing being really rare and, and having it. <laughs> uh, not that I'm ever going to sell it. You know, I'm just going to park it in the back, in the back room for... I don't know, 20 years. And then someone be like, Oh, it's worth some money. But the switch being really popular helps that. So from a collector standpoint, I understand why people would want this to be rare, but from like an industry standpoint, I really hope that they get it all settled and that, uh, you know, that everyone wins somehow. Everyone gets a little bit of a little piece of the pie. All right. And that's it for our new stories today, John, we are done talking stories. Um, we've got our pickup piles of the week. We've got our games of the week. So let's start with you. What is your game of the week? Today? All right. It's going to be a banger. I'm, I'm ready. You're going to like this one. <laughs> or you're going to make fun of me for this one. Uh, my pickup or my uh, game of the week is Sanren Kagura. Sanren Kagura. Peach, 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 Peach Splash. The collector's edition for the PS4. Yes. Which, I've seen that have box you played before. This game? No, I don't play those games. Um, I really like this game. Um, <laughs> I I have played all of the Senran Kagura games. The regular Senran Kagura game, limited yet busty Dynasty Warriors games. Mm. Um, and they're they're shallow. They're incredibly incredibly shallow. The Peach Beach Splash game is like. Senran Kagura mixed with Splatoon. And it's really fun. And the they have a they have a card system where you collect cards and upgrade your weapons and stuff. And the there's a lot of really fun DLC in the game. And there's there's different uh um crossover characters. Like they've got some of the characters from Dead or Alive you can download and have in the game. 
and so it's just a really really fun game um hmm. i ended up like i've played online multiplayer with michaela one of your and my my former employee and a number of other people and i generally don't play online um, but now, we had a good time. Now, Senrin Kagura, is that the game where you shoot squirt guns at girls to make their clothes come off? Uh, or what game yeah. is that? Okay. <laughs> that is this game. Um, and depending on your... Uh, when you start the game, your characters are just wearing white bikinis. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's really difficult to figure out how to put them into different costumes initially because they don't tell you. Um, but the white bikini thing is actually the least inter- interesting costumes they have. But there's a lot of costume content in the game. They, they it's, DL- it's fun. They, I loved it. They DLC'd a lot of costumes, don't they? I feel yes. like I see those on the store all the time. Like, hey, you know, it's only a dollar for the the like fruit bat bikini, and it looks like <laughs> bat wings on their butt or something. I don't know. Something there's weird. a lot of DLC, but it's. I feel like they do it in a different way than Dead or Alive, because Dead or Alive has an absolute astronomical and obscene amount of dlc dead Dead alive's dlc model is ass yeah yeah like i'm pretty sure that you could probably spend a thousand dollars on dead or alive five costumes and you wouldn't have bought them all um whereas like this game yeah there's a bunch of dlc but they package them together in like a bundle pretty well Mm -hmm. and it's it's never super unreasonable so yeah i I like the charm of the game. It's considering it's a spin-off of a main series. I it's great. Um there and they're also their next game uh for Marvelous and that developer is uh it's called like Kodakawa Jet Girls and it's basically um <laughs> These names Wave are Race. incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's basically Wave Race. Well, Kodakawa is the name of the the publisher, I believe, mm. of the Senran Kagura games in Japan. Uh, but yeah, they're they're basically remaking Wave Race, so it's like, well, if it's if it's decent, I'll play it. Sounds fun. Yeah, you know it's funny. So, Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball Two for the, or excuse me, Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball for the original Xbox. I fell in love with that game. Like, I have I have a weird <laughs> relationship with games that came out when I first moved to this to the Green Bay area. Okay. So, like, Animal Crossing on GameCube was one of them. That was another one. I I, ri- I remember ripping burned cds to my xbox so that i could have my own music playing and i would play the stupid volleyball stuff which i didn't care about and then i would just go to the casino and i would i just went to the casino trying to make money and it was like a big thing for me like trying to make all this money don't really know why but it was like one of those like it it, it was a feel-good game for me in a time where i didn't like know a lot of people around green bay so that that and animal crossing are two very different yet games that gave me like a similar like homely kind of home homey kind of feeling i don't know makes no sense but well dead or alive extreme beach volleyball one graphically was crazy impressive at the time Mm -hmm. so and at at that point in time when it came out i think i was at peak horniness (laughs) so i also enjoyed that game (laughs) quite a bit uh as i've gotten older uh like i looked at dead or alive extreme two and I was just like, no, no, no. <laughs> All of this is the worst possible yeah. game in oh. every regard. I don't want to play this. I, I remember taking my Xbox and my copy of Dead or Alive over to Brent's apartment because I only lived on Anderson. We lived like the building over from one another. 
and I just took okay. it all over there and we like hung out one day and just played. Like I think he was playing it too, but obviously we weren't playing it together. We were just playing it side by side. I don't know. It makes no sense. The game I is so weird. I also lived in the apartments on Anderson, by the way. Oh yeah. Oh man. Yep. They, you know, they were fine. I mean, what's funny when I first moved to Green Bay in two thousand and one, I uh, I would say, what do I want to say? It uh, like those apartments. I think I think we paid four seventy five for a two bedroom okay. apartment or something like that, you know? So like me and Mike lived there and we just were like, Hey, it's cool, man. Rent's not that expensive. Although what's funny is working at GameStop at the time as an assistant manager, man, it was tough to, you couldn't live on your own. You couldn't <laughs> afford that. Like you had to have a roommate no. with only $500 a month rent. And it was still, still couldn't live on your own. With like yeah. No that was rent. one of those, that was one of those things when, when I would promote somebody, they'd be like, I'm moving out. And I'd be like, Maybe you don't want to do that right away. <laughs> yeah. Save up a little bit. Maybe, maybe you want to figure out what your paychecks are going to be first. Well, and I remember, yeah, it, yeah, it was, it was a wild time. Um, so, uh, but yes. So what is your game of the week? So my game of the week, John, I'm so glad you asked. Uh, we're sticking with the PS1 theme still, but we're in the S's. We're getting through it. My game of the week, one of my all time favorite RPGs. It's a game called Sukaden or uh, okay. Suikaden or Sweek it in, I've heard people call it. I don't know how to pronounce this game, but I know that when Psychomantis reads your memory card in Metal Gear Solid, everybody who played it had already played Symphony of the Night, right? So then he reads your memory card and he goes, ah, so you like Castlevania because it was programmed to read Konami game save files. Sugaden is a Konami game as well. So my memory card, when he read my memory card, he goes, ah, so you like Suikaden. And that's how he said it. Okay. Um, but I always call it Sukaden because I'm an American. <laughs> and that's how we that's how we pronounce Japanese words, how we would say them. Uh, but seriously, it is one of, this is probably top five RPGs for me. This is an excellent RPG. It's turn-based. It's all sprite-based still. So this is 32-bit sprites. You talk about Symphony of the Night being one of the best-looking sprite games you've ever seen. This would be one of the best-looking sprite RPGs I've ever seen this breath of fire three are like just two of the top notch ones. The cool thing about this game though, is that it has a hundred and eight playable characters in it, a possible 108 party members in this game. And not only are there 108 characters, but you have to recruit them all into your party. And sometimes some happen to join you due to the story. And other times people will join your party through you having to find them and do something for them. Some are like, oh, you have to be over level 50 to, for me to join you because I don't want to be stronger than you, blah, blah, blah. And then some are say, well, okay. my my brother is this guy. If you recruit my brother, then I'll come in. And so you have to recruit his brother and then have his brother in the party. You go talk to him and you're like, oh, my brother joined you? Yeah, I'll go. This is cool. Really, really fun. Um, and the story is, is pretty epic. You, you start off as like the son of one of the main generals in this kingdom. And... Uh, through some events that occur, you end up on the run. And so you leave this area and you join like this group of bandits and you find out later that this bandits are basically fighting against the kingdom that your father is one of the generals of. So you're going around basically taking out all these generals 
and then you eventually get to your father. You got to handle that situation. Uh, and then you're building your own castle throughout this whole game. Now, you don't actually build the castle yourself, but the more people you recruit, the bigger your castle gets. And so as you get like up to 50 people, then you see like a new wing of your castle. And oh, you recruited a shopkeeper. Now you have a shop. Oh, you recruited that person's okay. brother. Now you have a shop and it has more items because you have both of the brothers from the other shop. It just, it, it, it just felt like it never ended. And and I loved it. Uh, the, the battle system is very similar to... Uh, Final Fantasy 7, as far as the magic system goes, it uses a rune system. Okay. So you can equip runes to different people. And then you actually can have six people in your party, which is very different for RPGs. You normally don't have six people. And you actually have two rows. So you have a front row and a back row. If you put melee people in the back row, they can't attack. If you have ranged people in the front, they can attack, but then they're more susceptible and they're usually weaker and less defense and stuff. Um, but very, very good game, emotional points on it, great music. It looks like, man, this is the peak of that style of sprite-based RPG. Like, this is the game that, after the PS1 was over, this disappeared. You know, they didn't do sprite-based games on PS2, or very rarely did they. I think maybe Shining Tears, maybe, and a handful of others, if I really thought long and hard about it but this game is just like i said top five rpgs for me if you like games like final fantasy 6 final fantasy 4 4 5 and 6 chrono trigger this is like to me this is right up there with them and a sequel came out on ps1 which is way more rare it's like a 200 dollars game now yep it's also very good it's also sprite based i don't like it as much as the first one but it's a fine game then number three came out for ps2 they went 3d and it looks like ass and the game sucks. And then the fourth one came out. That game sucks. And then the fifth one apparently is good, but I'm never going to probably play it since three and four suck ass so bad. But so, uh, Suikoden for the PS one all time, like this, like I said, I can't stress enough. Top five RPGs of all time. I'm talking Final Fantasy seven, Chrono Trigger, Earthbound, Suikoden, and off the top of my head, I don't know, whatever. Kingsfield, I don't know. We'll just reach for one. So that's you know, my game of the week. I was going to ask you um, if if you pick the first in the series on purpose, like, because um, I was going to I was going to ask about two because a lot of people two is the sought after and the far more popular of those of that series. Sure. Uh, not necessarily. So I actually really like Dino Crisis one. I do admit that two is the better game, but I like one. I thought one was just, it, it, it was literally Resident Evil with dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like they were just like, Hey, we can make like, we can make this game except we'll make it with dinosaurs and make it its own game. Um, uh, so no, I don't do that on purpose. And Sukaden, I would, in this case anyway, I would say the first game is the better game, but the second one is more rare. I mean, this Su- Sukaden one is a 40 to $50 game now complete Suikoden 2 is I mean it was I would say between 130 and 200 is kind of the the range where it floats uh, but Suikoden 2 you can also get for six dollars on the PlayStation Store <laughs> you can play yeah. on your Vita and your PS3 <laughs> I was gonna ask have they have they did a download of the first game or no yes that's also on there and I I have it actually when I was hooking up my PS3 to test um to test streaming my PS3, I downloaded and actually recorded some Suikoden 1 footage. I actually quite liked it a lot, but 
Um, nice. Yeah, I just really quickly did a sweep it into search, and it it strongly two hundred bucks all day. Yeah. Okay. And then the yeah, Japanese version you can get for a dollar twenty five. <laughs> <laughs> I bought it from uh, Jesus, who you probably know pretty well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like fifteen years ago for a hundred bucks. Nice. Hey, shut up, Siri. You, you, uh, you, you doubled your investment. Uh, yeah. So funny story about this. So the last one, I don't know if it was the last one that came into the store. Maybe it was Dave bought it. And I think it was like one twenty nine. and I gave him his discount on it. So he ended up getting okay. sub 100 and we put it in the resurfacer because it, it had some light scratches. And I'm like, honestly, man, I'm like, I don't resurface games unless they need it. I I'm like, if it's an original game with no resurfacings and it's got a few light scratches, I don't resurface it. Like I, I just, yeah, you know, not, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's just, why would you like, to me, there's something about it being original. I, I don't know. I might be crazy, whatever. He's like, Oh, it's really going to bother me. I just want to get him out of there. I'm like, okay, cool. He puts it in, starts resurfacing it. Doesn't check that there's sufficient water levels in the resurfacer. Oh. So the resurfacers I use for anyone listening to the podcast, that doesn't know. I use a wet, it's essentially a wet sanding system. So it's got rubber pads that spin around and and buff the disc and they do so as water trickles in to obviously keep keep it from getting too hot and warping the disc and damaging it and then at the end it puts some polishing compound on it polishes in the nice polish compound it's beautiful the 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 machines that i use the resurfacers are beautiful machines there's a reason why they cost three thousand dollars a piece and are worth every penny and why i have three of them um but in your service it without water, you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> and so, so the thing, the thing pops open and it, the thing was empty for, I don't know how long. So I, it might've only been empty for one of the cycles, maybe two of the cycles. It comes out and that disc is not warped. Thank God. But it looks like someone just took like steel wool and just circled around the whole thing. It was Ooh. nasty looking. I'm like, uh, and, and Dave had already bought it. <laughs> okay and so he's looking at me like what are we gonna do i'm like well you resurfaced it and and so like we were getting ready to have this like uh conflict of like whose responsibility is this and i said well i'll tell you what i'll run it down on a five down which is five is the highest level run it down on a five down fresh pads new water like full water it'll be fine we run it down it comes out it looks perfect we pop it in it plays Ooh. perfect like we both just had this like sigh of relief moment <laughs> because my god he ran that thing dry man i and and i'll tell you what he's never run another disc dry and that happened probably three years ago if not longer he learned his lesson he learned his lesson it was probably four years ago because it was at the old store when i only had the one Ouch. resurfacer and then it was just me and dave but uh but anyway so fun fun story time but john your pickup pile of the week. What amazing games did you find when you're not supposed to be leaving the house in quarantine? All right. Well, uh, you're guilt tripping <laughs> me into being better. Um, so Final Fantasy VII Remake for PS4. The regular ass edition. I like it. Regular edition. Um, and Sniper Ghost Warrior Contract, mm. which is the game I got for 15 bucks. Mm. And that's why I own it. You uh, for might Xbox. have overpaid. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Uh, 
That's not too bad. So um, did you get to play much Final Fantasy VII? Or? Um, I played about two hours of it. Um, I blew up the first reactor, and then I got back to the um, the hideout. Mm-hmm. Or actually, no, I got to the train scene uh, after you blow up the, the first reactor. So not not too far into it, but I the graphics are phenomenal. Um, and I, I think I told you, I was surprised at, uh, how, like, it felt like modern day New York mixed with, like, some retro, like, vehicles and futuristic technology. Because whenever I think of Final Fantasy VII prior to playing this, my, my mind would, like, look at that, um, uh, that village that you go to after the train and it feels very much like post-apocalyptic, like, like shantytown hovel. Like it, <laughs> sure. it feels like, like you know how when they show like a homeless camp underneath like a overpass, yeah, um, in like a like a crime drama TV show. That's what Final Fantasy VII felt like to me. Was this like barely put together? like hovel of yeah. buildings that which and, and poverty which when you get to well you've you've been there i guess because you went to seventh heaven but like yeah when you get to the slums like you see a lot of that you see this really weird dumpy kind of um you know like like shantytown really <laughs> which yeah but like to me that that's what like all of final fantasy seemed like when you were in the uh uh what is the name midgard mm-hmm. uh like that that to me was like what midgard was and playing through the intro where you're like running along rooftops and there's like citizens on the street that are that are dealing with the the yeah. chaos that's happening i was surprised at how much more full the game felt than than it, any other final fantasy game has felt prior so yeah i'm, I'm digging it so far so just so we don't get destroyed in the comments section it's midgar without the d so it's, it's all right i mean the first d is in there but not the last one but midgar but that's okay we're we're a learning podcast <laughs> um but no uh i totally agree and i always felt like it was very steampunkish and actually if you if you know a lot of what i love about the remake so far is that they're expanding on things that were just like known or we thought we knew like you you knew that shinra was a company that was taking Mako which is the lifeblood of the earth and using it as energy to like fuel their armies like you knew that but this is going Mm. as far as to say as oh they built the city with the technology and then they power your cars they power your homes like yeah I guess you knew that by saying that oh yeah that's why it's the mightiest city on the planet because of Mako but then you think about it like yeah that's what it would do They're, they're literally an energy company and so it'd be like if WPS was the first people to discover electricity So then they built the greatest city in the world with electricity uh, right here in uh, Green Bay. Um, But I'm glad glad you're liking it. I'm glad that uh, you've played some, but there's so much more uh, to that game. The music especially. The music, I think, is what gets me the most. It's, And for you, maybe not so much, but every area you go to, they're using the same music that was in the original game, but the remixed version of it. And so when you go to an area, you hear the same music you did hear, you know, what that game's 20 23 years old so 23 years ago except new music it's 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 really really well done sometimes <laughs> is it something that do you want to buy the soundtrack i got the soundtrack i, I actually bought oh, the okay. deluxe edition the of deluxe. final fantasy 7 remake so did you get the one with the little uh the dolly 
Yes, it did, and it's it's the little oh. doll and his play and his play trike his play trike. Uh, yes, I got <laughs> Cloud and the Fenrir bike. Yes. Um, which so to get into my pickup pile, yes, uh, I so I got Final Fantasy VII. I got the collector's edition from Square Enix, which I kind of hate their collector's editions now because they don't put it all into one big box. They sent me the limited okay. edition of the game, which is the eighty dollar version. You get the DLC for the Cactar summons which is total BS that it's like a pre-order special edition bonus is a specific summons, but okay. Is so, that only, is that everybody's pre-order bonus or was that only for like the collector's edition? And I the, think uh... it's just in the limited edition, which is the $80 okay. version. Now, when you bought the collector's edition, they gave you the play arts figure, which is cloud on the motorcycle. And then they gave you a copy of the limited edition of the game. So when you get the box from square, you get a box and inside that has two boxes. One box has a limited edition game and one box has the play arts figure. There's not like a box of the collection or anything. And they did the same thing with Dragon Quest 11. It's just like, it's just the regular game with the collectible stuff. So it's like, I mean, so that way, I guess if you ever lose the game, you could just put another game with the collectible and be like, Hey, look, it's a collector's edition, but I miss like yeah, what they did with less special. Yeah. Well, like they did the, the near automata black box. Like that's the perfect example. Like that was a cool collector's edition. The Final Fantasy 12 Zodiac edition Zodiac age is all one big box. Really nice and cool. Even, uh, um, Final Fantasy 15 had a box, you know, I don't, I don't know why all of a sudden with 11 and with seven remake, they just did this other strategy where they just shipped the game and the, whatever the collectibles are separately. But I, th- I think they did that with the kingdom hearts thing as well. Cause I believe the kingdom hearts, where collector's edition had the three play arts figures with it. Okay. Goofy well, Donald and I believe Sora were with it. I wouldn't know because I, I hate kingdom hearts a lot, <laughs> um, but also, uh, and that's who actually is directing Final Fantasy seven remake was Nomura who, after he, he was basically working on kingdom hearts three and seven remake at the same time because seven remake apparently was in trouble. And so they're like, we got to bring in no more. He's our best, most experienced person. I'm like, don't bring in the kingdom hearts guy, please. Please don't bring in the kingdom hearts guy. There is some, I when, said this on Monday's podcast, but there is some kingdom, kingdom hearts ass stuff in that game. Like, when they head. announced that he was going to be brought in, I was just like, Oh God, like how, yeah. how much longer is this going to take? Because at the time we were still waiting on kingdom hearts three. And then they're like, Oh, and he's also going to be directing final fantasy seven. And it's like, oh, okay. Uh, what are we going to be waiting for, like, 15 years? Yeah, I died a little that day. Um, but yeah. uh, w- w- what I also think is funny, too, is I because the official title of Final Fantasy VII Remake is literally Final Fantasy VII Remake. Yes. It's not Final Fantasy VII. Like, it's not, you know, Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3. They're just Resident Evil 2. We call it the remake but they don't put remake on the friggin' box. Final Fantasy VII literally puts it on the box. Final Fantasy VII Remake. Now, I tweeted about that and with a picture of the spine because it's so weird to see the word remake on yeah. the side of the box. And I guarantee you that is a Nomura thing because all his Kingdom Hearts <laughs> games have the stupidest names on them except for like the numbered entries, like 1, 2, 3. It's Chain of Memories and 250, 250, 158 over two days or whatever the hell that, 300, two five, two 358 over two days. Over <laughs> two, I believe. And then uh, what's the one for the dream no, drop three, distance? Five, three, five, eight days. Three, three, eight three five, eight days over two. It's <laughs> yep, so weird. So when he makes a game, Final Fantasy VII Remake, like, okay, 
But anywho, so I picked up that. I picked up, it actually just, uh, two of these just came in today, actually, when I, I had to stop at the store. Um, and it was really weird. Like I came in, there were no boxes. And then I was in the store for like 15 minutes. I had to make a few phone calls and, and take care of some some store stuff. And then I, I go outside to check the mail and right by the door on the outside are the two packages just sitting by the door. Was it uh, USPS or was it... Uh, I'm pretty sure it was yeah. USPS, even though, well, the one game in my hand here was supposed to be Special Reserve, which is supposed to be UPS. So it's possible okay. he showed up, but I always notice his big truck when he comes in. And he norm- I don't think he would just leave it outside because they didn't even knock. Like, I was in there. I, I was <laughs> at the front counter, so you could look in and just knock on the door, which is normally what they do when they're there before we open on a normal situation on, like our current pandemic situation, but I got my friend Pedro from special reserve games. Did I you get the, the banana with it? Yes, I did. I got the collector edition nice. with the banana. Um, the box, this is just great. Like the banana is just smiling and cute. Uh, it's called my friend, Pedro blood bullets and bananas. So I got that. Uh, the only thing I don't like though, and I, I don't know if this is just because it's the switch version of a game, but special reserve games has gone through multiple different versions of their packaging. And it's really pissing okay. me off. Like, make a consistent package so that it all looks the same on a shelf. Like, stop trying to, like, don't make a unique box because everything comes in a cardboard box. I'm like, just, I don't know. Maybe it's just me being picky about how it looks on my shelf, but it's annoying. Uh, Next up, I got Bubble Bobble for Friends. This is uh, the Switch version. This was through Strictly Limited Games. That's the German um, limited run, I guess, if you want to think of it that way. This yep. is number 356 out of 2,500. And basically, it's the original Bubble Bobble. You can play it in classic mode, or you can play with like their updated graphics. And it's just Bubble Bobble. I love Bubble Bobble. It's going to be one of my favorite games ever. So, I uh, also love Bubble Bobble and uh, played the crap out of that game. I was I was tempted to get that release, but I just I don't like the European limited run stuff for some reason. Yeah, the one thing I don't like is the Switch packages on the bookends. On the very bottom left corner of the spine, there's a little green, like, triangle. Yep. <laughs> so it looks stupid in your collection. But it's Bubble Bobble. So hopefully they'll now, bring it stateside and I can get a U.S. version. But I don't know if I've ever asked you this before on the podcast, but did you ever get the true ending to Bubble Bobble by playing it two-player? Yes. I actually, because I, okay. I, I grew up playing NES two-player in my house. Like, everything we played was pretty much two-player because we were all fighting over it all the time. So I was one of the few people that never had the issue because I never really played video games by myself back then on the NES. It was everything had to be two-player because we had my younger brother, my older brother, and my older sister. So there was always two people or more that wanted to play. I don't know how I ever found out about the that special ending because you had to you had to blow bubbles on the left half of the screen at like the last level and like jump out of the level. Do you remember that? Um, mm, I thought you just had to beat it to player or are you talking about after no, you, you beat the boss? One of the, uh, one of the levels you had to like, you had to keep jumping on the bubbles and you had to play it two player because like one player's bubbles wasn't enough to, to get out of the level. Um, interesting but yeah the i i played that with my friends uh justin and jeremy when i was a kid at their uh, cabin up north uh on a black and white tv it was great hmm. yeah i don't remember that i'll have to look into that because I, I know there's some secret rooms and stuff but yeah, i don't know much about that uh and then lastly the the heavy hitter the magnum opus i bought on ebay because 
well, this was my quarantine purchase. This was like my, you know what? I'm feeling a little cooped up. I'm going to spend some money on something. I'm going to stimulate the economy, John. <laughs> I picked up a mint and box copy of Chippendale Rescue Rangers 2 for the NES. Okay. This officially is the second most expensive game in my collection for NES games go. I paid 600 bucks <laughs> for this thing. Um, but the condition on this is ridiculous. This is the sort of, if I sent this to WADA, this would probably get like an 8.5 or a nine out of 10. Okay. Uh, it is beautiful condition. I've wanted this game for a long time and I was actually planning on looking for it when I went to Midwest gaming classic, but that got canceled along with everything else fun. That's going to happen this year. So, so I, I, I was just, every now and then I just look up on eBay, I just look up NES complete mint. And sometimes it's not even to find the game. Sometimes it's just to find out what's out there that I might be spacing on. Like one game I still need is Contra Force, which Contra Force sucks real bad, but I had it as a kid (laughs) and the game's terrible, but it is a Contra game and it's a game I had when I was a kid. So I want to get it back again. Um, and that game is another rare one. It's like, three to five hundred dollars depending on condition in the box uh, i also want to get power blade 2 mint in box and that game mint in box is probably close to thousand to twelve hundred dollars good lord i know loose carts go for 400 all day and then at midwest gaming classic last year i picked up ducktales 2 so there are still games i need in my nes collection like i still need darkwing duck mint in box but anyway, so long story short, I just went onto eBay and I searched NES Mint Complete, and then this one popped up, and I'm like, oh. And I think the guy wanted like 700 for it, and I was like, that's just too high. And and one, all of them were selling around five to 600, and so I certainly didn't get a deal on it. But this game in this condition, to me, this was the best condition one I had seen sell out of all the ones that sold for 600. This was way better than those. So I think this nice. one's probably worth six fifty to seven hundred. So he wasn't off on the price, but I made an offer at six hundred and he took it. So I was like, excellent. Nice. Um, so I added one of those, like that's like one of the gems for me. So I've I've got little Samson complete in the box. I can't say mint in box. Okay. Because the box is a little beat up, but that's about a three thousand dollar game in the box with booklet. So I got that, and then I've got Chippendale 2, which is a six hundred dollar NES game, and the DuckTales 2 is probably around three fifty complete in box. So those are kind of my NES heavy hitters anyway so is uh is little samson your most valuable game yeah yeah it would have to be okay. by, by quite the by quite the large margin too <laughs> like i think the next the next rarest ones i have is i have snatcher i've got chippendale rescue okay. rangers 2 um i've got a couple three four hundred dollars sega uh, cd and sega saturn rpgs i don't have panther dragoon saga because i hate that game <laughs> uh, pe- people are like it's the Final Fantasy 7 killer and I just <laughs> I, I scoff at that um, I do own that game I I, I, I would if, if one came in or if I got it at a really good price I would totally buy it because it's an RPG and I like collecting Japanese RPGs but like ugh, I, I remember that game not being good but that's just me do you do you have Magic Knight Rare Earth or Magic Knight Rare Earth or uh, Saturn let me take a look I think I do let me let me squeeze out because it's literally right behind my monitor so I just gotta move out a little bit because um, that is one of the only working design games i don't own yes i do i do have it ah um, you bastard yeah i've got uh, albert odyssey crime wave dark savior Die Hard arcade magic knight rayarth and shining wisdom are the saturn okay. games i own uh 
crime wave. Is that the one with the taxi on the front of it? Yeah, yeah. It's like a. It's a random. Yeah, it's like a random game with the rest of those games that are all like (laughs) cream of the crop, and then (laughs) crime wave. Yes, and 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 if you uh, like, if that had come out on PS One, it'd have been a lot cheaper, and I would just bought it on that. But it didn't come out here on the PS One. But I've got Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Did you did you break the bank on Mystic Knight, or did you get a decent deal on that? Well, that was I got that from Mojo's when they opened the okay. Bay Park store. So they brought like all their best stuff. Oh from damn! All, yeah, when when they brought that was when they opened Bay Park. They brought all their best stuff to that store to like launch okay. it. Okay. And so they had put up a post with like, and that's where I got. I think three of the Saturn games came from there. It was I got Albert Odyssey, Magic Knight Rare Earth, and Shining Wisdom all from them at once. Okay. Uh, I, w- I don't want to say I got a good deal on them, but they're typically priced a little bit lower on rare stuff. So mm-hmm. I did, uh, I definitely did better than retail on it, but I think, you know, I think the three together were worth probably 600. I think I paid like 500 or something. <laughs> it's not, that's, like... that's not bad considering, uh, and what, is, and what, what is the actual name of the game? Is it mystic night rare Earth or magic night? Magic night rare. Earth. Okay. Uh, cause I, I think Magic Knight Rayarth is like a four, three to four hundred dollar game most of the time. Nice, yeah. It's so, yeah. You did, work, is, you did good on that. Sega Saturn and Sega CD are about to do another jump. Um, when that stupid uh, Polymega system comes out, that's gonna play Sega CD oh, yeah. and Sega Saturn. Uh, I I almost pre-ordered one. I was actually looking at it the other night. I was very close. And then I started, you know, doing some more research into it, and I was like, man, I just can't justify that. Because really, it's all emulation. So if I have okay. my external DVD drive on my PC, I can just get those emulators. Because what they did was they signed with the creators of the emulator Mednafin. So I don't know if you've ever used that or ever heard of that. It's got like a yellow bug or something as its logo. Well, basically, it's an all-in-one emulator. It's just an emulator that plays everything. Like you can load any ROM from Genesis, Nintendo, Super Nintendo. So apparently, <laughs> the people that made that emulator, they're making a special like better version of their emulator and tweaking it for this system. Okay. Which is weird because it's an open source emulator that they've taken and made their own. So I'm not sure how that works from a legal standpoint, but uh, hmm. apparently they are going to release that version to the public though, too. Like that was part of the deal was they, it stays free for everyone who wants it still. But if okay. nothing else, the Pi mega helped, optimize that and apparently the saturn emulator works really well which i don't know how much you know about emulation but the saturn emulators all suck like it's really hard to get a good saturn emulator and uh and so apparently it works really well so i have a feeling those games are going to jump again that was the whole point of that story but um but i don't look into the poly mega i i I want one but the base unit that just plays the cd stuff is 300 until it leaves pre-order then it's going to be 400 dollars and then Damn. the modules are like 50 bucks a piece, 40 or 50 a piece. And that's like you need one module to play NES, one to play Turbo, one to play Super. And I'm like, so there's like a bundle you can pay like $630 <laughs> for, which has like all the all the modules with it. I'm like, oh, okay. I, I just, I don't like it. I, I just, I don't like it. I like the idea of it playing CD games though. Like that's the one thing that is a headache for me. Like I have SCART out from my Sega CD and my, I have a SCART modded Turbo Duo so I can play Turbo CD and Turbo Graphics games through my Frame Meister and essentially get HDMI OutKit component out. Okay. Um, and then I have my 
analog SG to play Sega Genesis games in HD. And that's actually, you know, that's hardware emulation by analog, not software emulation. And I have the AVS, which is NES just made by uh, Retrobit. And then I have the Super NT, which is analog Super Nintendo. So like the only thing I can't really play in good HD through HDMI is CD-based stuff without a bunch of hassle. Like I had to buy these component SCART cables that were like 30 Mm -hmm. bucks each. And they're really big and bulky. Like, they're nice, but they're really bulky. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, it'd be really nice just to have one box. But then I thought, I'm like, I could just... Like, I, that's how I... You know how I played Snatcher the last time I played it? I played it on my modded Xbox through the Sega <laughs> CD emulator on my modded Xbox. I just popped the Snatcher disc in and played it. It was awesome. That's kind of awesome. But it kind of makes more sense to me to use something like a modded Xbox, you know what I mean, to play... Yeah. those CD-based systems than to buy a $300 software emulation machine. But Will, like, is that thing going to be able to play, like, Dreamcast games, too, or... Dreamcast or is, is it mainly, is, like, PS1? It cannot... It, it's mostly... It's PS1, Sega CD, Sega Saturn. Um, okay. P, they're saying that Dreamcast support might come at some point. They don't have a date on that. And I don't even think it does Turbo CD either right now but i'm not sure about that um but yeah that's i don't know it's tough like like i look at all that and i'm like man i I, if it was a hundred bucks i'd probably jump on it no no questions asked but 300 and that's the introductory price four hundred dollars are trying to pull for that thing i mean you got some cool toys when it comes to those consoles man if you want to play retro like i i definitely appreciate what people say about playing old school games the old way but Mm -hmm it's more about the CRT TVs and less about it actually being composite and component hookups. So my goal this summer was originally going to be to find a CRT at a rummage sale. That's HDMI Mm -hmm. out. I'm going to find, okay. I'm going to find one somewhere, whether it's on the marketplace, Craigslist, whatever I will find one. But until that day, I'll just play them on my monitor and I don't really care. Like, I, I mean, I can appreciate on a CRT, like the way it moves and looks, it looks more fluid. It's mm. totally a real thing, but I have no problem playing it on a digital signal and just enjoy yeah. it. I mean, it's it to me, as long as there's not input lag, it's fine. So, um, but anywho, John, so we, we managed to still go over the two hour mark. We did it <laughs> with, with only two stories that weren't that long, but this one felt good. I, I actually feel really good about this one and, and it sounds silly, but it's less stressful for me having a longer podcast when I didn't have. Like, I've been streaming a lot the last two weeks. Like, the last three weeks, I streamed mm-hmm. Monday through Thursday for three hours a day at the same time, trying to, like, build an audience and just have fun with it, see if I yeah. liked it, you know, because I've thought about streaming a lot more. Well, one, I don't like it. Uh, I find that <laughs> certain games are amazing to play while streaming. Animal Crossing, amazing to play. Final Fantasy VII Remake, I couldn't play it because I didn't want to be constantly looking at the chat. I didn't want to be talking to people when I played it. I just wanted to enjoy it. So yeah. it, so to me, I have to have that perfect kind of not important game, I guess, you know? Um, but so I did that. And so when I have to do that from two to five and then I feed the cats and then I basically feed myself and then it's back here for podcast. So, <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, uh, I uh, thank you everybody for listening and watching. Uh, we, we took it, we took it to the max again, but we love you. We appreciate you for always listening. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Game Trade Greg. You can follow John on Twitter at Dryer Combo. And we will see you next week. Have a good one. We'll talk to you later. Bye bye. Yep. Later.